All right, so back up in this bitch for another one. This is Connecticut's most controversial podcast. This is the Domino Effect. And as always, I go by the name of Domino. Appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Wherever you're tuning in from, be it uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, wherever the fuck you get your podcast, we are there. Now, no, it's been a while on this fucking platform. I apologize. I'm sorry. All right? There's a lot of shit going on. If you listen to my other podcasts, you know what I added to my, you know, list of shit to do what, what I added to my plate, right? So if you don't know, uh, I started doing stand-up comedy in uh, July, you know, appreciate everybody that's been uh, supporting and, you know, giving me words of encouragement and good affirmation so far. And uh, the guest I have today, I guess, you know, supports me enough or likes me enough to come on this piece of shit podcast. <laughs> um, he's a comedian first and foremost. Uh, he's a radio host at 99.1. He's also the author of uh, the book, How Not to Suck at Comedy. We have, in the motherfucking dojo, we have my Libra brethren. We have Pat Oates in the I, dojo. I want to say right away, I am a supporter of you because you came out right away. You were actually were funny in a comedy school when everyone else was just bullshit. Yeah. It was nice to hear someone have a real thought. Right. So I just, if you notice, my eyes lit up. I was like, yeah. ooh, he has a real thought. Yeah. And I got excited. So it's like, it wasn't like that you were like, Right away, super funny, but yeah. you were the tallest midget. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, all right, I know yeah. I'm dealing with some midgets, but this one can reach the top shelf. Okay, yeah. See, I appreciate that. I appreciate that from somebody that's a, as accomplished as Pat O. So that means a lot to me, even being that I just started, like I said, a few months back. So I appreciate that. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good. How's your mom doing? I just got back off a flight. Um, visitor in North Carolina. She's in a hospital. She's they they don't know what it is. It's almost like a dementia type thing, but they can't figure out. She was in a car accident, and all of a sudden, mm. her mind was gone. I showed mm. up on a Monday, and it was the first day in 30 days that she was clear, precise. She knew me, knew everything, asked me about comedy shows. I was on. I was like, mm. and she, and the doctor's like, she hasn't been like this at all. Is it because she saw you? Or? So I thought that, because I'm like, yes, I'm a miracle worker. I, <laughs> I am the medicine. Right. I know there's other brothers and sisters, but I'm the greatest. Yeah. So I stayed over a night. The next day- You know what was a favorite? I came back on Tuesday, all gone. Nothing. She didn't even like, she, she couldn't communicate. They didn't know what it was. Like one like- Glimmer. They say with that kind of stuff sometimes yeah. you can have them in little open windows. Yeah. But I was happy to see her at both ends. Right. I was right, happy right. to have if if it never comes back again, I got that moment. Yeah. And if it doesn't, and if it, and also it's good for me not to be delusional by seeing that one good moment, mm. then not understanding that she's going through something. Right. Because she's in her seventies now anyway, so I understand that yeah, yeah. it happens. But it scares me because her two brothers also had something like that. Right. Her mother had something like that. Oh, so it's hereditary. I'm worried. And also, I, I talk bullshit already. Right. No one's going to know I'm crazy for two months. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's good. Well, I'm glad you got like a level head about it. Well, you seem to have a level head about to. it. You have to. It's like, I've, I, am I going to sit there and cry? It is. No, and, and I love her, but at the same time, I'm going to just think about all the wonderful moments I had with her mm. instead of worried about, about what's happening now. Mm. I'm not a doctor. I can't figure that shit out. Right. I'm not a believer. I'm not like a religious person, but I believe in beliefs mm. and I believe she's going to be okay in one way or the other. Right, right. You and your mom close? Yeah. I mean, I was probably the closest to her of everybody, mm. but she did move to North Carolina, so she didn't like me that much. Okay. It's like, we're from <laughs> Connecticut. So no, it's like, no, about 10 years, well, no, five years ago, she moved with a boyfriend of hers and just wanted to end her life somewhere warmer and nicer. Warm and nice, like, you know, just away from this bullshit. Yeah, we had been here since, you know, since I was, she, she by she been living here since I was born, so like forty years in Connecticut, cold Connecticut. So. Cold ass, yeah. I mean, you retire somewhere warm, do right. something else, you know, experience some other scenery, some other people. Especially know? when you don't have much money to retire, your money's a little bit better. The farther yeah, down, you go down, yeah, farther you go. Yeah, exactly. You can like the shit that's going on up here when it, when it comes to rent and you know just like buying land or, or just whatever. Gas, gas, I mean, gas. 
I just came back from the West Coast. I, I saw like gas was like six dollars, and that yeah. was for like not even premium. I was like, what the fuck is going on out here? But yes, I'm glad your mom is. You know. I understand now when they don't let you take a shit at a gas station bathroom because yeah. now now it's expensive. Now you're at a fancy restaurant. Yeah. When, it, when it was two dollars, I was like, let me take a shit. But like, now I get it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not dressed for this. I'm just get, I'm just glad that gas went back down. Right, it'll mm. go back up. Don't worry, election's I coming. Hope it don't. I fill my fucking gas tank up one time I, I thought i missed the hole like it was fucking <laughs> crazy how much money he spent. i was like what the fuck is going on yeah i know a dude who's a truck driver and he posts every week what he has to, to travel the country mm. the amount of money he's putting in a gas tank and it's insane and it's not the, the companies aren't giving him more money mm-hmm. so he's just spending more money he's making traveling on the gas to do the job he's being paid to do right so it's it's crazy you're making like a third less fucking bullshit so uh i guess where do i want to start Usually, I you know, this is just like an interview platform. You know, what the show started as is not what it is now. But, um, yeah, uh, your mom fucked up my birthday plans. Um, so I wanted to come here, you know, do a birthday pod and stuff like that. Well, fuck uh, her, man. I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> she fucked my birthday plans up, too. My birthday was Saturday. Yeah. And every day, every year, she was giving me a birthday card with the amount of money of my age in it. Mm. And I'm finally getting to an age where that money something. Money something. Like, it was oh. like, six, I didn't give a fuck. Right. <laughs> but I'm like 48, I'm about to get some money. And this is the first year I didn't get that. And this is where I know that I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a sociopath, but I'm just right. saying there's a little feeling pulled back because my first thought was, oh man, I could have used that $48. Yeah. That, that not, is my, my mom can't send me this car. I should cry about the sentiment. <laughs> I'm like, so when she was awake for that moment, I'm like, you, you got, you missed that card. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like, I could try. I'm like, you ain't got no money in you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice. How was your birthday, man? Wait, wait, a comedy show. That's what yeah. I love doing. If I can't yes. be with my kids, my kids are 20 and 17. Mm. One, they both were working. They had stuff going on. I let them do their thing. I saw them the weekend before. I'll see mm. them this weekend. But I was like, if I'm not going to do that, let's put on a comedy show because I love doing that. Let's mm. have fun. So, All right. Now now you got a boy and a girl, right? Yep. Okay. Which one is 20? The girl. The girl. How's that? How's, how's dealing with that? Because I'm dealing with like in a preteen fucking 11-year-old, 12-year-old. Well, like, do you guys already have a close I mean, I know from your joke, but you guys have a close yeah, relationship? yeah, yeah. yeah. For mine, we were always very close. My mm. kids, I let them, I don't put filters on my kids the way I don't put filters on myself. Mm. So like they can talk any way they want. And a lot of people go, oh, then they're swearing all the time. No, if mm. you let them do whatever they want, they don't do whatever they, they want because yeah. they don't feel like they have to like show or prove or go against. Mm-hmm. So we have such a close relationship. Like their mom is the one and we're divorced, but like their mm. mom's the one that like, gets mad at every little thing they do and they can just come to me and I'm like, I'll be the lawyer and mm. I'll just be like, not nah, you're being right. humans. Calm down. Yeah, let, yeah, yeah. let them learn their own mistakes and do their thing. So she's doing her thing and I'm always supportive of it, mm. but we don't have friction because I don't ever get mad or disappointed or pull that kind of shit. Mm. How dare I be disappointed? Like I got, I chose to chase a dream my whole life right. and not make more money or do things and just do things I love to do. So I'm never going to tell them you're making a bad decision. It's their decision. I'm right. just there to, I'm here to cheerlead, not to judge. You know right. what I mean? So we get along real well because of that. Now, do you think if you weren't a comedian that you would have that same approach to your kids? Cause you know, comedians, you know, they say whatever you want, they do whatever they want. They're kind of lackadaisical on, on a lot of shit. Do you think if that wasn't the case, you would be more strict or no, be only yeah. because, this thank God comedy came into my life. It was mm. it was a mistake. I didn't even choose to do. It. A friend tricked me into doing it, mm. and it, and I found it. But I this personality has lost. It got ruined my marriage. It's lost me jobs. <laughs> it got me thrown out of schools. I mm. went to three high schools in five years. Oh, like shit. I toured around Connecticut. I went to three totally different kinds of high schools too. Mm. I started off in Cheshire High. And mm. then I went to Eli Whitney in New Haven, mm. and then I went to Derby, and then went back to Cheshire. They took me back. Right. Everyone, I wasn't being thrown out, but I was asked, you could not come back. Right. Like, and I just didn't go to class. <laughs> I just walked around in circles and talked shit. Uh-huh. So, but what I do now, so when I found comedy, 
it's just finally something fit where I was accepted, but mm. everything else didn't do that for me. So the personality was always the same of just like, let people be them. Mm. And I, but also just say what I want to feel, but let them say things to me too. I, I'm all about ripping off the band-aids for everybody. You right. say your shit. I say my shit. We're past it. Right. So I think I still would have been the same way. So that's when the class clown, like, uh, like fully kicked in it was high school. No class clown was even before that class mm. clown was as soon as my parents got divorced. when I was six to get attention. Hmm. Okay. It's always been I'm on stage hoping my dad and my mom will just hug me. <laughs> okay, but now now they do hug me. I'm like, well, hug me better. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> hug me a little tighter. You know, more often, please. Combination of oldest of six kids, but my dad had three different three different marriages, but kids from only two of them. Mm. But being the oldest of six and like knowing the attention wasn't going to be there right away once more started coming along, mm. that it's like I know right away that I was doing this to go, hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. My 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 other siblings were all good in school and focused and more about logic, and I was just more about let's just have fun and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's all attention. It's all this ever is. Yeah, I mean, eh, I guess I, I I mean we like to say that we don't want attention, crave attention, or we don't want people's fucking you know uh, affirmations or whatever. But we do. We all do. I <laughs> want it, but when I get it, I don't appreciate it. Why is that? I don't know. That's I'm still going to therapy for that shit. <laughs> okay. Like, but it, legitimately, I'm the kind of person that like I go on stage and I'm very happy that people are laughing mm. and enjoying it. But if they come to me after and want to talk about it, I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Mm. But I don't. I try. I've learned now not to say that anymore. Yeah, you can't say that out loud. But I. But I used to. I mean, yeah. I, I used to actually say in my act, "Hey, we did it." Right. So afterward, you don't have to tell me your thought. It's not a Yelp review. I'm a human being. Right. Go to fuck home. Like, right. <laughs> you, if you were funny, you wouldn't be here you with your wife sitting here paying to listen to someone. Mm. You have no ability to be creative. You're right. dumb. I'm smart. So just go home. Mm. And then they still would talk to me. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. Now, is your dad still with us? Yep. Okay. Now, has he ever been to one of your comedy shows? Yes. He's okay. been to, um, not a lot. Neither. My mom would go to a lot more. My dad had, has gone. He's very supportive. They're both very supportive. My mom mm. was always supportive, mm. but to the point of too supportive where there wasn't any structure to it. Mm. Just kind of like, yeah, just do whatever. It's okay. Pat says crazy things. He means well, but it's like mm. once in a while, you tell me not to say that to a teacher or not say that <laughs> right. to that person. But my dad was very strict in his ways because he wanted to act like a disciplinarian mm. for the time he lost when he wasn't around when he got divorced. And right. like, so put in things like that, but he finds himself very funny. My dad, mm. when I first started doing comedy, he came to a show and said, if you want son, I can write your jokes. <laughs> so you're funny. Right. And I'm just like, fuck <laughs> like you, you talk at church dinners, like right, right. to 90 year olds about when they're eating porchetta and Derby, like you're not funny, but like, I get it. At least he was trying to show some kind of thing. So, mm. but now because I do things where it's money is being made, not a lot, but enough to pay bills mm. and I'm on radio and I'm wrote a book now they're like oh he's now he's a comedian we even brag about it mm. they weren't happy they didn't tell people at the beginning I mean a lot of people don't a lot of people don't because they don't want their son up there telling shit jokes that type of thing they don't want to you know they don't want to be embarrassed because you know everyone's son is like you know well established they got a good job lawyer doctor all that bullshit I'm like oh my son's a comedian I'm like oh he doesn't so he does nothing <laughs> but I don't care that he got married three times like so it's like, <laughs> so you run around just having sex with everybody like I mean do you <laughs> let me do me like I'm ne- that's all I'll never do my kids gonna do whatever they want to do mm. I'll be supportive no matter what they do and be proud of whatever they do it's, it's that's them and they're not an extension of me I had sex they came out right yeah you know what I mean it's like <laughs> like I love when like like Italian people when they always bragging about being Italian it's mm. like 
and, and then you find out they've never been to Italy. They're just from East Haven. Right, right. And it's just like, what are you bragging about? Your grandparents yeah. fucked in Rome? Like, you, I don't You've never been shit. to Sicily, nigga. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> You're not from there. I'm not Irish. I'm from Connecticut. Right. My grandparents had sex in Ireland. Yeah. And then some other things they made came here. Came here. Came, came here. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> now, as far as your dad's uh, family, you're the first family that he... Yes, was there was... I, I've been saying it on stage. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how to word it. I've, I say that there's, I've got two original siblings <laughs> right like i basically call it original extra crispy and then right and then wings yeah, yeah. The end. But, like a fucking rotisserie right but like, i've got <laughs> two, i've got two real one half, half the two halves and a step okay now do you feel any resentment towards your dad like do you do, do you guys talk about what happened and what transpired where it was like you left my mom that's fucked up i felt the type of way it sent me down this path you fucked up my whole life well not fucked up but you know you no, I mean, you, like i could have went left and i went way right <laughs> he at first was the one to tell me that i that's why things were happening mm. and i had to tell him one day we, we had good talks about he's a he's a very good parent of adults he's not a great parent mm. of kids and some people are that and i'm i'm fine with that hey mm. it's, it's who you are like in life no one teaches you how to like handle this stuff mm. if he was the reason why he kept i don't know the reason why he kept getting married and going in and out of relationships mm. but it's not comfortable with himself right we've become closer because he was an athlete. He wanted to be a lawyer, all these things. And then I was born. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff had to stop because he had to be a responsible father. And I mm-hmm. think that's what cut him off from not wanting to be in a marriage later on because mm-hmm. he couldn't be him. I saw mm-hmm. that and said, well, I'm not going to be that. I will be there for my kids, but I'm not going to be stopped by anything to do the things I love to do mm-hmm. and also be a parent. You can do both. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can chase a dream, but also teach others to chase a dream. So we've talked about that and he is proud of what I do now, but he's also older. So it's like, yeah. and I'm a junior. So therefore I think he feels like I was the one that was out there with his name and I had yeah. to tell him it's, it's my, it, you shouldn't have done that then. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's our name. We're different. It's like, and I used to do a joke on stage mm-hmm. saying, cause my dad looked up, uh, one day Googled me years ago. Mm. He Googled himself, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, basically. <laughs> right. And he Googled himself and he's looking for some like meeting he had at a warehouse mm-hmm. and he couldn't find it. And he called me and said, all I can find is your comedy bullshit. Mm, bullshit. And I was like, sorry, I did well. <laughs> right, and then he yeah. kind of laughed at that. And I said, do you think Martin Luther King Sr. made this phone call? <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, son, these marches. I mean, I can't, I can't find my meeting. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> like, and he said, and he laughed and went, oh, that, okay. Never mind. And he laughed and went, you are funny. And it's like, okay. Because, like, I mean, at yeah. first, your parents, you're not going to look at someone, your kid as someone funny. They're your yeah. kid. Just mm. like when you go to, if you accomplish everything, the people that are going to take the longest to notice your accomplishments are the people mm. you grew up with. Right. Like, when I, I have friends in high school who keep saying, oh, so do you do shows with real comedians? Mm-hmm. And it's like, Motherfucker, I am real. Yeah, but they, I understand. I'm just the dude they went to gym class with. I yeah. get that. That's in their heads. We, you probably, you have friends that have done things. They're like lawyers and high respect. And mm. you're like, that's the dude who shit his pants in third grade. Yeah. But he shits his pants in a courtroom now. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's different. So I get that. So yeah, my dad and I, we have a good relationship. No one's super close in our family, mm-hmm. but we talk like every other Sunday. We get, he lives in, he lives like down the street from me. Okay. But I see him once every two weeks. Okay. He does his thing. The family gets together, the younger brothers and sisters. I talked to my mom more until now yeah. but like there's never been like this super closeness of like every day you know what mm-hmm. i mean you kind of move off and do your own thing but if you need anyone they're gonna be there i felt like that at first when i had my first kid where it was like i feel like you stopped me from doing a lot of shit i wanted to do i wanted to travel i wanted to do xyz or whatever do you feel like your dad resents you in any aspect i think he did i think that's way gone the way he, you think he left because now. of you 
No, like there's three of us, so he left because the three of us. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he stayed. Yeah. I think when the third one happened, he was, he was like, like, there's like, no it's getting too out. fucking much. And also, two <laughs> years, like, it was six, four, and two when he got the word with okay. the ages. So everybody's so close. Oh, you know, and this is also. So I was born so, so like 1980. Mm. If a woman is working and helping out, she's not really. He's working everything, doing all that. Mm-hmm. He was a drinker at the time, mm-hmm. so he couldn't live that life he was living. Right. I, you, I don't know if you know about your parents. I, I can't imagine my parents ever like ever being together. I mean, knowing their personalities, they got divorced. I'm like, yeah, you guys should never fuck. Like, yeah. like <laughs> you just shouldn't. Like, I know we, when they become parents, we think like there's a unit, but there are there are people in your life you just had sex with that you shouldn't hang out with afterwards. I mean, yeah. Sometimes you do because you have to because of responsibility. I'm actually happy for them that they did separate because my mom found happiness much later in life with a, with a mm. person she loves. My mom, my dad had more kids. I'm happy my sisters came and found that, mm. then moved on. At least he proved to me that you're not stuck in things. Right. And I kind of like that thought. Like, divorce isn't a terrible thing. We're used to it now, but for a while, that was a stigma. Right. So if, if I got in the way of the dreams, okay, sorry, but now an avenue turned you here. Now do new things with your dreams. Mm. Find other avenues to do stuff. If one door closes, find another door. I see this quote a lot. It's not really a quote. It's just like a saying between like a lot of men who was like, having a baby mother now makes me realize why I grew up without a father <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> so, you know, um, do you think you're more like your mother or your father or just like a good mix of both? I don't think I'm like either one of them. Really? Um, Even with your dad saying, oh, you're funny, so you you a little bit like my me. Dad's, <laughs> my dad's had a... A weird sense of humor mm. and that was the way he communicated with us but i don't besides that part i, I was exposed to environments where i was allowed to say crazy shit mm-hmm. so that influenced me to have a sense of humor mm. but my brother was in the same environment and didn't do that didn't do that he has a good sense of humor but he doesn't use it and establish it mm. so it's like we all just kind of like sat in this area but like i mean you all got different like phases of him though Yes, but my yeah. brother is a lot more like him. My mm. sister is a lot more like him. Mm. I guess I'd be a little bit more like my mom, where like the freer spirit, yeah, and the not the worry of like when you're supposed to worry. Like I mm. have things in life where it's like you know you should be like you should be more worried about this thing or that bill or this thing. And yeah. I'm like, no, nah, it'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be. And my mom was kind of like that. And then sometimes it wouldn't be all right. But mm. like, okay, I'm still alive. I'm still. And some people can freak out about that. I'm not worried about materialistic things or things. Mm. My mom never was. My dad was more worried about having to be the responsible one taking care of things, but right. also wasn't responsible by mm. leaving. So it's like, I guess I just don't give a shit about my decisions as long as everyone's okay. Right. And my mom was more that way. Mm. Like you seem like, like you give up the aura, like you give a fuck about a lot, but don't give a fuck about a lot at the same time. Yes. So how do you balance that? Like, how do you, do you pick and choose what you give a fuck about? Yeah. Is it just like, okay. I give a fuck <laughs> about when it comes to people, people. Yeah. I give a fuck about people. There's a difference between hustling and being a hustler. Right. And someone who hustles, mm-hmm. I appreciate. Someone who has a pa- shares a passion. Mm-hmm. I have a passion for comedy. If you have a passion for comedy or music or mm-hmm. anything, even if it's just like you like to make like crafts on fucking Pinterest with fucking popsicle sticks. Right. If you're into that shit, then I am. I love the fact that you found something that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone that just pretends to do shit to waste time, <laughs> I don't waste my time. Right, right, right. Comedy wise, if you're going to come up to me and say, like, we did that comedy school thing, mm. and there was dudes in there who were just wasting time. Some people just treat it like a dart league or a bowling night. They just right. want to meet friends and do it. And that's good for you. Good luck. Get the fuck out of my way. Right, right, Because right. I've done enough in my comedy where it's like, I know I'm not going to be like this national touring comedian. There's decisions I made in life that didn't get mm. me here or there. I'm still very happy in what I've done. I've worked with a lot of great people, and I'm still going to keep pushing it. Mm. I don't think there is a making it type thing. But I do have the ability to help out younger people in this area and try mm. to make comedy 
you know, better for all of us and enjoyable. Mm. And I'm only going to help the people that want that want the help, but mm. also will help me grow it. Right. By being funny or being passionate or doing whatever. But people just want, I just want to tell my friends I'm a comic, get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, right. So I don't respect that fake shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I can read it right away. I don't, I don't like motherfuckers that try shit because it's popular or it seems cool. I want you to actually like have a passion for it. Like, like we were saying before the mics got hot. Everybody wants a podcast. Everybody wants to do it because they think they could do it. You know, they see people, they make it look easy. And they think like, oh, I'm funny. I could talk with my friends for umpteen hours and we can, you know, garner audience and have ads and make money and shit. Like, no, you can't. Like, you funny to the motherfuckers around you. You're not funny to the fucking world. Like, everybody ain't in, like, in your inside joke or whatever the fuck. Everybody's not going to gravitate towards your energy or, like, what you think is funny. It's like, you got to be, like, well-rounded. You got to be able to, you got to be passionate about this shit. No, I get, I get when younger, when I say younger, like, I'm 48. So, mm. anything, like, 30 and younger, I understand that mentality, though, mm. because they were only raised in a time with internet, with everyone having, mm. like, Andy Warhol years ago said everyone gets 15 minutes. Now, he didn't think Facebook was going to be a fucking thing, exactly. where everybody had their own page, and you literally could find everyone in the world. Mm. I grew up, I'm at that age where I've, half my life, I've had no internet, mm -hmm. half my life I have, and I will tell you, it's got pros and cons, way more pros. I hate old people that say, oh, Oh, it's way better back then. Playing with a stick outside, fuck you. Yeah. Way better video games. Like it's like being able to find porn whenever, way better than a magazine. It was way easier <laughs> to find porn now. <laughs> it is like, but all these ways. But so I understand people thinking my, all my thoughts matter. Mm. But I do miss that that time when you could say to someone, "Not nah, like only eight people's opinions matter. Most of you shouldn't have opinions." Mm. It's everyone thinks they have to have one because they need a thumb for it. Mm. You gotta like that. You gotta like what I'm saying or disagree. But either way, you need to react to what I'm saying, and mm. that's why people. Need need that and i think the problem is with comedy now and the way it's super involved with andrew schultz and stuff like that where mm -hmm. you can just go on instagram build a following and tell jokes mm -hmm. i mean he's super talented but he showed everyone oh you don't really have to work at comedy mm -hmm. if you can just build a following and everyone just says they like you then you can just say you're a comedian yeah yeah good luck to you and i hope you make it but get out of my way yeah because you're not you're not doing it the way i want to do it i want to write things that come from within me i'm proud of the stuff i create if it bombs or it works mm. because i don't want to use someone else's jokes or material or just ride off popularity and i want those kind of people around me mm. and i think that because i thrive better i like being around younger comics more than older comics because I, I always treat it like going like going to open mics there's no one else doing it as long as i have in this area who goes to open mics Mm. Usually it's all younger dudes and then me. Yeah, yeah. And, every, and younger guys will ask why. I'm like, it's like Rocky three, <laughs> when Rocky when Apollo brings Rocky to the gym. Yeah, and he sees that eye of the tiger. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. got that hunger, that hustle. I that makes me write more. Mm. That makes me push. If I go around other dudes who are just happy doing spaghetti dinners on a Thursday at a yeah. VFW and doing the same jokes for ten years, they don't want more. Like even on the show we did this weekend. <laughs> yeah. About a good buddy of mine, John, who was the one closing the show, mm. he's been doing comedy for years. Yes, he was not feeling well. I mean, by, by that, I mean fat. But like, <laughs> so he was so fat, he couldn't do stuff for a while. Right. In the hospital, right. he just get his fat up check. But, right. but he, um, but I've known him forever, but he was doing jokes he did 10 years ago. Right. And it's just like, and yes, he's having fun. So I'm not shitting on his fun. We all do different things. But I would hate myself if I was doing jokes from 10 years ago. I get rid of shit every two years. I record an album and I get rid of something yeah, and I put it out there. That. But, but I got a problem with that a lot because being that I'm in this realm now and that I'm such a big fan of comedy, seeing jokes that I've seen eight, nine, ten times from the same motherfuckers, I'm like, like, are you a joke teller? Do you just want to get in front of a crowd or do you want to be a comedian? Do you want to be an artist? Do you want to like further the crowd? Like whether it be locally or internationally, nationally, whatever the fuck, 
you still doing the same bit that I've heard you do at this theater, this open mic, this venue, this arena. I'm like, what? what's the point of this? The the comics that make it, the comics that do well, the guys that I've had a chance to open up mm. for and, and see them when they record albums and things, usually what you're doing, I know a lot, when people first start on comedy, I think they really do believe people are just making shit up every night. Now, right. you learn right away, no. no. You, have to, you have to work really hard. You have to put a lot of effort in to make things look effortless. Right. And that's kind of where all this comes. It's in by, so open mics, when we go to the same ones, I, I actually appreciate a comic mm. who I see doing the same jokes, but there's changes. Yeah. Like a guy who, like the way I write jokes, I'm not a notebook person. We mm. talked about that in the comedy school. Like mm. everyone write your own way. But like to me, I didn't do well in school. But if I go, I'll take an idea in my head, just something that happened, and I'll go on a mic and I'll record the audio five minutes, working it mm. out. Then I'll write off that. Right. And then every time I go on stage, I'm tweaking that, I'm changing that, and it will evolve differently. Mm. So if you see me start telling a joke at one mic, if you see me a month later, that joke is completely different. It's not the same. And it works. Mm. So I appreciate when people do that stuff. But when I see somebody do the same five minutes at just open mics, they've never pursued to try to get booked on a show, right. and they think that's their comedy shows, once again, get out of my way. Exactly. How is this even fun for you? Like you're yeah. trying to get out. How are you? It's like if you play a video game, but you never try to beat the level. Right. Like you just play that one level. You, I'm good this level. I'm good. Huh? This le I'm just restarting. I didn't like it. I, like it's good. I almost <laughs> got down the pipe. Mario almost made it. But like right. now, nah, like, I'm, like, like now, nah, I'm good right here. I'm good right here. But like, why not try something new? Why, mm. why not push yourself to the next limit? Like, I have fun on stage. Mm. I. And this is a uh, we were talking about before about like caring and not caring. Mm. I hate comedians who say I just love to bring laughter and joy to other people. <laughs> Fuck you. No, you don't. No, you yeah. don't. You don't like I don't give a fuck about them. It's a self-gratification thing. It's not for them. Well, my, my yeah. goal is to make them I mean, laugh. the goal is to make them laugh, but it's, I'm doing this more for me than them. But because that's the goal of the game. Yeah. My high score is the laughter and the clapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I don't care if they go home and feel good. I don't yeah. give, I'm, not, I'm not affecting them after. And if I do whatever, I don't give a shit. They didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't care. I I go up there because I like creating jokes. Mm. I like making, taking my dumb idea and making it something that becomes universal. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about before, someone on a podcast doing an inside joke. Mm. I love making an inside joke, everybody's joke. Yeah, right. And that's the beauty of, of that, that makes us different than non-comedians. Mm -hmm. I always say like, if, if it's just a funny story is great, then your uncle and not Chris Rock will be famous. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. just be in the backyard killing it with that joke while you're on. Yeah, exactly. But I don't get that joke. So right. you got to learn how to do that. So I love comics who are working on that. And, I, and I, you see me, I run up to comics and go, mm. it's like, oh, take this and that. And some of them go like, who the fuck's this dude? Right, right. Why is he giving shit? I'm like, because I love comedy. I don't give mm. a shit about how you do, but mm. if you're going to go up there, I wanted to give you a couple cheat codes. I want you, know you what to mean? kill it. Yeah, I want yeah. you to. Yeah. Or at least represent well, because Connecticut gets a bad rap. With everything. With, with comedy, and I understand why. We are in the middle. We're two mm. great things that are there, Boston mm. and New York. Mm -hmm. And the comics themselves get that thing where it's like, we're in minor league baseball, and if I get good, I should move. Well, like, mm. well why? You, why can't you make this the majors? Mm. You could do real well here, too, and you're going to get lost the other way. It's mm. our mindset. The audiences feel that because they're being told, oh, it's just Connecticut comedy. Mm -hmm. So they come in with a hatred because everyone's like, oh, Connecticut stinks. It's all of us. It's not just one or the other. So if you were, we all work real hard to be good, mm -hmm. people would recognize us here. Right. I feel like everyone approaches things that have to do with entertainment, specifically in, in Connecticut with a defeatist attitude. Yep. When it comes to fashion, music, comedy, whatever the fuck, art, whatever the fuck. They feel like because we're Connecticut, we're so small, we're smashed in between like Massachusetts and New York. You got, you know, Tri-State, New Jersey and shit. Um, every, everyone feels like they can't prosper here or they have to emulate somebody from 
somewhere else in order to get popping here and then they'll fucking around and just move somewhere else just just so they could say oh i'm from connecticut like but you know i'm i live in atlanta now i, I moved to la or whatever the fuck it's yeah. it's very sad and disheartening to see people cultivate stuff here and then just go somewhere else just like eh, i can't do it in connecticut well and it's because of that stigma that we put on it like whenever i perform somewhere else somebody will go oh this comic you know he's next comic he's from connecticut and at the very beginning, I was like, why are they saying it? Why can't they say I'm a comedian? Mm. Like, well, or he's a local guy, whatever. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm from Connecticut. That is good. Like, there's a contest at a, the comedy club at Mohegan Sun called mm. Comics. They've been doing it for like 13 years now. It's called Last Comics Standing. They Comic. stole it. Yeah, they stole it. The yeah. X is on there. Yeah. When I won that. So I, when people say that, they always go, oh, you won Last Comic? I'm like, oh, put the X on it. Yeah. Don't get me sued. <laughs> it's like, I did not win that one, but I did win that one year. And now they've done it like 13 years. I'm the only winner from Connecticut ever. From Connecticut. Yeah, everyone else is from New house, Eng- anywhere in New England or, yeah. or New York or New Jersey. Comics, they get 200 comics every time they do every year mm. that go in it. And then one winner out of the 13 years, I'm the only person from Connecticut to win that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of that shit. But this year when we had two local young guys in the semifinals, I was rooting, I was trying to give them advice. Like, win. I don't yeah, want right, just yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because be- when I go other places, they go, oh, you're." if another comic goes out of Connecticut in like Rhode Island or New Hampshire and shit like that. They'll message me and go, yeah, the guy's like, oh, do you know Pat Oates? Because if you do comedy in Connecticut, you yeah, must know you must that's know. the guy. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, well, why am I just the guy? There's a lot of funny guys. Yeah, there's guys a lot of funny guys. Because the yeah. other guys don't say they're from Connecticut. They're really? like, they're, they're like, I'm not going to. It's the person who's like afraid of saying they're from New Haven and pretends they're living in Mount Carmel. Get the fuck out it's of like, here. You know, but it's, like, it's, it's all perception. It's the same reason why a comic moves to New York hmm. just to get a P.O. box. Right. It's it, like, you ain't funny. You're from Chicago. Like, you, you moved there because you thought that was better. But why not just be really good in Chicago? Or at least say I'm from Chicago and live in New that's York. That's fucking insane to me. I don't give a fuck if, you, if, if you're from a hole in a wall. You rep that hole. Right. All right. But be funny in the hole. Yeah, be funny in the hole. That's the problem. <laughs> they, they think that the a location of the hole is what's going to make them funny. It's yeah. Like, it's the hole, motherfucker. It's like, are you baby Jessica in the well? You going to get out of this shit? <laughs> right. It's a deep cut. Sorry with a lot of people. She's the most famous well baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, like I said, if you guys don't know on this platform, um, I did start doing stand-up comedy, like I said, in July, and I did take a comedy class. Now, Pat Oles was one of the teachers i, I was a filling i was a filling yeah filling i brought videos that day yeah that that whatever the fuck. i don't i don't know what you want to call him but he was there to like to judge and give us advice he was like the only one that actually gave me advice that i can actually use um you know i took that class for basically two reasons where where it was like i'm gonna get connections if, if i if i go here and then i know i'm not gonna learn shit but i'm gonna get a laugh out of like what happens in this class so i know that when I when I went, I was gonna gain something, but then I didn't know about the showcase at the end. So that basically got me off my ass to be like, "I right, stop being pussy and go up on stage and do what the fuck you've been wanting to do since you was ten years old." So I went ahead and did that. Pat Patos was here, like I said, he gave me the 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 more advice that I can use. <laughs> I want to say because I didn't, like I said, I didn't really learn the shit. Comedy school <laughs> itself, I've always I've taught a couple of them because people have asked me to do it, mm-hmm. and I always say the same thing when it starts. I don't believe in comedy class. That's I've I've heard Bill Burr say that. I've heard endless comedians say, "Do not take a comedy class; it's a waste of your time." You're See, I don't believe that part. I don't right. believe in it, but right. I don't think it's a waste of your time if you don't know how to get off your ass. Right. 
we all have different ways. There are mm. some people who one day can just say, I want to try comedy. Cl- comedy. Mm. I will go to an open no, mic. I, I and appreciate I will tell the class, you. though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If it gets you, sometimes you don't know what to do. Like, mm. you don't know how to start. It's an underground. It's like music and everything else. Yeah. You don't realize how many of these dumb restaurants all over Connecticut is comedy nights. Right, you know, yeah. And that's there. You don't know that until you get involved in this fight club we have of comedy where it's exactly. all underground shit. So if the only way you can get off your ass is to go, I'm going to sign up for a school, mm-hmm. and then hopefully they'll push me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. My problem with comedy classes is that it's usually a money grab and they're trying to just tell you to get ready for their showcase they're going to do mm. not teach you how to learn how to become a good comic yeah, yeah. and just try to tell you you're a comic now go do these other showcases and now learn how to write a script and dumb shit you won't need mm. it's like when i was there all i like to teach is i want to teach you how to understand how open mics work because mm. that's where you should be next yeah right go in there then figuring shit out watching people at your level when they're like oh go watch bill burr it's like yeah, for entertainment yeah, you watch you watch the shit but, but what are you, you should learn? be watching a dude who's hosting the open mic mm. that's your next step up yeah that's the dude you should learn what's he doing what's his hustle mm-hmm. watch how other people write jokes and create things and find the pick from all that like if you play a sport mm. you watch all kinds of athletes play mm. to find the way you play mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you might enjoy jordan but maybe you don't have the build and the skills so why would right. you try to be like jordan exactly play like stockton you're gonna yeah, be all right, you right. I mean? that's where you gotta go <laughs> i like to watch different people and how they work and how they create and how they do things i love to watch comics and do things i can't do mm-hmm. so i love being around comedy school for that same reason and seeing that mm. i know two of the comics that were running that thing and one of them goes on cruise ships andrew kennedy very yeah. funny comic yeah, yeah but we're like night and day different we were, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mots yeah, yeah. too. Mots is like yeah. the local like a guy who started real late in life. It's another reason I signed up because I knew Mots from work. And oh, you were a mailman. Yeah, I was a mailman. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I, I, I still am. So um, I saw. I went down to the comedy club. Like that was like my introduction. So, so so once I found out that Stress Factory was doing open mics, I would go down there and just watch the open mics. I was like, oh, one day I want to get up there. So, but like, but like I said, the, the class was the push to get on stage. Right. Me just watching like everybody, just seeing how they perform, you know, stage presence and all that shit. But then I saw Mott. He was like, oh, I do this class. I was like, I know you from work. I was like, alright, I'll sign up just to see what you about. Because like, I've heard through the grapevine that Mott was funny, but I've never like seen him in action. So I was like, alright, let me go to the class, see what he's about, see what he can teach me. This 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 that and the third and uh yeah that's have you ever seen him do a show yeah i went to a show he uh probably like a month ago yamanika saunders was here and yamanika is a beast she's fucking she's the best she's the sweetest lady she's still messing with my kids all the time asking she was my grandbaby she yeah so he opened up for her uh it was matt lopes Mots, and then yamanika and then i i I watched that show must have felt thin yeah uh Moss Moss did this thing. I was like, I'm I'm kind of surprised. Like I didn't I didn't know that this type of thing was like within arms reaching me. So you know it was it was good to see him first of all do the comedy class and then actually see him in action. I was like I didn't fucking know because you know you go to work. I don't really talk to nobody at work. I just do my job and go to fuck home. Just do like I just do enough to not get fired. Right. So I just go to fuck home. Then I was like, oh, you know, Moss is actually funny. He's actually he's an actual comedian. Like he does. It is crazy when you learn there's another side to a person. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Like Mott's is it seems like reserved, like an older oh, he's a grandpa, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Dude's crowd work is fierce and like he just yeah. he's a bulldog. The jokes are the jokes. Like he it's a more older school thing. They're little mm. stories, whatever. Is they usually have an ending that you can predict. Right. And I'm not shitting on him. That's just his style. But when mm. he does that crowd work thing, yeah, he can get on you. He can say he's, his observations are great. It's it's fun to watch someone enjoy he seems like we we're talking about before he's someone that lives a reserved life mm. but he's allowed to be his what he wants to yeah, be what on he wants stage. to be yeah so i like people like that i'm the same person both on stage and off because i don't 
have a character thing like that's just mm, who yeah, i that's am just who you are, yeah. right but like i do appreciate when i watch someone come out of their inhibition you know what i mean and mm. enjoy enjoy being able to be something mm. but when he was teaching class and so was andrew it's kind of like well, that's weird i don't mm. know if i'd want to learn from them mm-hmm. but then i was like well you can learn from all aspects yeah yeah but i just when i got and helped when i was asked to fill in and there was that third lady and she's whatever she's a lady and then like I don't, we butted heads because she just wanted everybody to she was a writer and i don't mean i'm not talking about bad it was nice enough for her to do it but like when they had me come on she's like well i why aren't we teaching them how to help their jokes out they mm. have a show in two weeks why are we worried about having some person come in from new york to scout them that doesn't make any sense that's mm. a ripoff they ain't, no one's getting scouted they got mm. plenty of comics in new york mm. they ain't looking at open mic comedy class in bridgeport right if you believe that shit you're crazy right but i was just like I watched you guys tell jokes and my whole goal was just to be like, all right, let's make that. So it makes more sense to everybody. Mm. Take this line, move that. You do your own writing. I hated when they would chime in like, no, say this line. That was the first time I had heard you on stage. Mm. Mott told you to, you did a joke about uh, Juneteenth. Yeah. And Mott went went to comment something. I looked at him and said, no, you did. Mm. As two bald white men, yeah. you shut your mouth with Juneteenth. Yeah, you do not help in any way. You let him do. I will help the structure part of it later. Right. You, we don't make suggestions. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but it was it was refreshing. Like to well, like I said, I hate my job, so I can't wait to get home and actually do what the fuck I want to do, which is actually start to write. So when I actually got into this comedy class, I was like start to write, but everything wasn't fleshed out the way I wanted to be. I like I'm a perfectionist in my head, so when when I wanted to present it to the class or like tell my jokes on stage, everything wasn't fleshed out. For so for him to give me comments on my jokes, I was like, it's not like I'm not done with this. Like it's just like the bare bones of this shit. Like it's just like a fleeting thought that happened while I was at work, and I wrote it down, and then like I kind of. It was half, I made it up on stage and half I wrote some of the shit, but it's still not fleshed out to, to the way I want it to be. So for him to give me feedback on it, I was like, I'm just not, like, if it was like a complete joke, if I was like 90% done and you say, hey, this ain't working, insert this, take this out, change this word, whatever the fuck, it'd have been helpful. But now I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't like your criticism. <laughs> that's my, that's my problem with comedy class. Yeah. Because comedy class is getting you ready for a showcase at the end for all your family and friends to come watch. Yeah. So the comedy teachers are kind of preparing you for this class. Mm. But I've always had the mentality of no show matters. When yeah. someone says, do you have a big show? Like, there's no big show. Mm. I don't care if it's an open mic or I'm in a theater. The next day, I'm still me. It's the growth of me as a comic. Mm. So I'll I'll work on things whenever. But I'm the same. I'll take advice. I'll take. I'll listen to advice. I'll take. If someone wants to give me like, here's a tag for this. Thank you, mm. because I used to get mad at that and be like, hey, I'm not ready yet. I'm working on this. But now I go, oh, if they're commenting, at least what I'm saying is resonating. Mm. So it, they paid attention. It's that when you watch a comic not get any advice, it's mean you're just talking shit. Right, you're right, just right. saying bullshit that nobody's connecting to. So therefore, when I say something, somebody goes, oh, you should try this. Mm. I'm not going to try what they said. I know what I'm doing and mm. I'm going to keep working on it to make it my voice. But I know that what I said was polarizing enough to get their attention mm. to want to help. So I'm like, I'm on the right path. If if someone's not commenting, mm. then I got to really work on changing what I'm talking about. Mm. So I like that part. But yeah, but I don't do that. I go up and instead of be like, hey, you should move this part to the end. Yeah, yeah. Because that makes more sense. Or like when you're saying that, maybe take a pause here. I'm more about like how it's delivered. You're, yeah, yeah. It's your thoughts. Right, yeah, yeah. So I don't like fucking people's thoughts. on Unless it's just like, hey, you're racist. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't try molesting a child at the beginning of your set. Do it at the end. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, Surprise Ryan. them. Yeah, Ryan, just don't do yeah, that. Yeah, come man. on, man. <laughs> even, that kid, even that kid's like, can I get molested by a better comic? Like, mm. it's like why do I, I got molested by a hack comic? <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you've been doing comedy since you were about six years old. When did stand-up actually come into the picture? 15 years ago. 15 years ago. 
so you've been doing comedy. So you've been doing stand up for 15 years now. You said that it it was it it happened on a dare from a friend. Well, not dare. But, he just lied to me. Like so, <laughs> I've known him since college, mm. and then um, we stayed friends for a little while. And then one day, he just wanted to like hang out. He's been pushing me to do comedy. Everyone has. Mm. When I was in college, I was the funny dumb guy. Whatever. High school was the funny. People always said you should do comedy. Mm. A, I didn't know how it started. And B, it just sounded dumb. But why didn't you? Like it just it didn't sound like a thing. Okay. It just didn't make sense. I, I I liked it. I would watch comedy. I enjoyed it, but it didn't make sense to me that I would now just go because, like I said, I, I didn't know about open mics or things. I'm like, mm. so I'm just gonna go to a comedy club. I don't and tell jokes. I don't know. I'd rather just have fun mm. and do whatever. I had little kids, uh, you know, that were just born mm. and all this. So I'm just like, I don't know. It's not a thing. But my buddy just kept saying, "You should try. It. It's crazy that you're not trying it. Mm. All you do, your reactions to everything is humor. My crutch is humor. Mm. If someone dies, I use jokes. If someone's sad, I use jokes. Mm. If everything I do that to the point where people are like, oh, turn that shit off. I'm like I can't turn me off. Yeah, this right, right. I, I don't mean to do this. Exactly. Shit. So he said to me, "Hey, let's go hang out at the, there's a place in Naugatuck. This bar, it's not existing anymore, and they're having a comedy contest. We should go have some beers and laugh at that." Mm -hmm. I didn't know he signed me up. Oh. So we went. Mm -hmm. And we go there, and there's three contestants. Mm -hmm. First of all, there's the the judges are the owner, the owner's father, and a girl they're both trying to fuck. <laughs> and they're sitting at a table. Probably like, a bartender or some shit. Yeah. I think she was auditioning for a job of bartender, which, oh. by the way, ladies out there, there's no audition of bartender. No, it's just not. run. Yeah. So it's like, especially in you should just feel, you have all your teeth. That's how you get the job. Just know so, how to make a screwdriver and like pour, and like bring beer. Or know the right. difference between a screwdriver, the tool, and the yeah, right. And then you're fine. But like, so they had a table set up American Idol style, and the three of them were sitting mm. on the stage, and the comic performed in front of them. So, mm. which is already weird. Yeah, yeah. There was three comics. There was, um, I say comics loosely. There was a guy who had just lost his job and he was telling everybody that he needed this $100 prize just to, mm. not, to give to his landlord for something. Mm. He was in trouble. And then there was the, um, a magician who was going to do comedy magic mm -hmm. in a bar at 10 at night, which you know is not going to go good. No. And then the third one was actually a fry cook who they were going to give five minutes off so he could tell jokes like SpongeBob. And, mm -hmm. and then, so I'm like, this is going to be good. Mm. So we're watching. First dude goes up. He's doing impressions. Uh, but they're so bad. He has to tell you who he's doing. Oh God! He 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 looks he looks around. He goes, I, I get uh, no respect. Oh. And he's pausing. Goes, right Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the only one. Like, I'm right. being an asshole, but I'm just clapping. Like this Woo! guy's great. This guy's amazing. Rodney, you're so good. He's like, I can't tell a lie. I'm like, come on, be OJ. He's like, he's like nah, George Washington. I'm like, all right. Mm. So then the magician goes up. People are just yelling at him. Mm. They're heckling him. He's doing sleight of hand shit. And then all of a sudden he gets mad. He grabs his deck of cards. He guns it at a guy and goes, 52 card pickup, pick motherfucker. And walks <laughs> off. I'm clapping. I'm like, this is the greatest show. I'm so happy we came. <laughs> then they had to take a five minute break because too many people were ordering chicken tenders. So, oh, the, so the cook had, the to, cook had to take a break. Right. They had, to had someone cover right. for him. So he came out. He was the funniest one. He had like fry cook jokes. Mm -hmm. but they weren't bad. Like He was like, kept making jokes that he poisoned everyone's food, which I was a little fucked up. But mm. whatever. <laughs> Then they go, we have one more contestant, mm. and they go, Pat Oates. And I look at my buddy, he goes, you, you, got, you got this. So I just walked up. Mm. I, if you, anyone's familiar with Naugatuck, Connecticut, and especially Route 8, there's a smell on Route 8 that's very weird. Mm -hmm. like, so I made fun of that. I said, I think there's a yeast infection factory. I said, something <laughs> of that effect. I turned around. I made fun of the threesome thing going on behind yeah, yeah, us yeah. and how creepy that was and how that girl should blink twice. She needs help. Right. I made fun of the three comics, and I won $100. Huh. I was better than the other three. Right. So afterwards, my, my buddy goes, you're better than three people. That's a start. Go fight, figure this shit out. 
Mm. So I went home, and this is this is how old I am. I went home and went on MySpace, mm. and I searched comedians in my 15-mile radius. Mm-hmm. And I, I was living in Simsbury, Connecticut at the time. So I found a comic named Linda Bell, who still does it sometimes. She's from West Hartford. Mm. And I, so I messaged her and said, I'm sorry, I, I don't know you, but like, how do you get into comedy? And she's like, well, there's an open mic that's happening in Hartford tomorrow. Just go to that. And there's and there's a comic I'm still friends with this guy Darren Rivero who headlines all over. Mm. He was a bartender at that bar at the time and the host of the mic mm. and a bunch of comics who now are made it pretty big like uh, Marshall Brandon and uh, and Jackson and, mm. and John, John Moses and stuff and, all, and younger guys too. We're mm. all at this mic and I just watching all people working on shit. Mm. I went up. I had no jokes. I just did a contest. Mm. So I went up and I just did crowd work for five minutes. Mm. This one comic grabs me and says, "Hey, hey, um, you were focused a lot on the people not laughing." Don't don't do that. Focus on the people that are laughing, and then it's a called moth to a flame. Watch all the other people come into that instead of you worried about the ones not laughing. Mm. Make it special so everyone looks in. Mm. And I was like, well, that's wonderful advice. That's nice that you just came up to me. Right. So the next mic he saw me at, I did that, and he's like, all right, well, I'll help you forever now. I go, what? He goes, I help people all the time when they first start, and mm. most of them tell me to fuck off. Right. And then I don't. And this dude now. He, he's been doing comedy for years. He was opening for like, he opened for Sam Kinnis. I didn't know who he was. He's mm. a guy named Rodney Norman, who now is viral on uh, uh, TikTok and all that shit. He does that old man with the gray beard that does like a philosopher thing. It's like six million views. He just goes up and goes, oh, your life is weird and shit. Like he's memes and everything. I'll but look it up. He's from Utah and he's from Connecticut half and half. Mm. But this dude just for no reason grabbed me and was like, here's some advice that I just took. So not only did I learn like, by doing the mic that I can start doing comedy, but mm. I'm like, oh, there's good people in it too. There's people that care and people that don't. And I learned that right away. Mm. My second open mic, um, a, a guy walks up to me and goes, Hey, are you available this Saturday? I'm like, For what? And he's like, <laughs> Well, to host my comedy show. I go, I've done comedy twice. Right. I don't have one joke. Right. He goes, Yeah, but you talk a lot and mm. you don't stop talking. Mm-hmm. And I don't like hosting, I like headlining my shows. I'm mm. a headliner. Right, I'm not a headliner, but like he goes, but I'd like someone just to talk. I'll okay. pay you fifty bucks if you do fifteen minutes. I go, I don't have a joke. Mm. He goes, I'll see you Saturday. I'm like, sure. So I went there, and it was him and another person who both thought they were they were co-headlining. It was mm. a host and co- no feature, just two co-headline, which is like one of you's last, yeah, one of you's yeah, not yeah, last. Yeah, yeah. one like, of you's not the headline. <laughs> neither, neither of you. We're at a bar in Meriden right. called Writers, where it's you know, like you have one tooth. You're the prom queen. Like so, <laughs> so I did like 15 minutes, and then the other girl, the woman on the show, said, "Oh, I have a show next week. Can you host that?" I go, "I don't have any jokes." <laughs> but every week, because people, I grew up in a time where everybody thought they were a headliner, and nobody wanted to host. Mm. Everyone just heard I was a host. So my first three weeks, I was getting paid spots. But just being allowed to touch a mic and figure shit out. Now I was going to mics too, mm. but quickly I was able to get more time than more reps than most people would, mm. and was able to like at least try to figure out how to get five minutes together. Mm. So I was like, "Ooh, I, I like this." So that that where the addiction came in. After mm. I think if I didn't get like those spots quick, I might not have been as addicted. But mm. then that's when my marriage started to fade. I'm like, "Oh, I like comedy more than you." Oh shit! Um, oh, it really <laughs> was because like, I I chose this thing. So that's where the sting. That's where it became like, "Oh, I fit here." Because mm. here I'm respected. Everyone else I'm told, be quiet, stop being this, stop being that. Here they're like, oh, you have superpowers. You can just make fun of people real quick. Right. That shit that got me called immature and didn't get me laid in high school. Mm-hmm. Now people are like, ooh, look, he's so funny. It's right. Like, so I, that's where all of a sudden that came in. I guess I was always a comic, but I didn't know how to do it. Mm. But if my boy didn't trick me, trick I would have never done it. Right. Now, do you think all that validation early on gave you a complex? No, because I mm. never liked me. Hmm. I just the last six years of my life, I liked me. 
I, I did kind of, I always felt mm. imposter. Okay. And. So you felt like you didn't belong? Yeah. I not only didn't belong, but it, there was always an excuse for why I got stuff. Okay. And I think that also happened from that beginning of, well, we just don't want to do it. Why am I hosting? No one else wants to. You're not mm. good. We just don't want to. But then also, I was drinking then. I don't drink anymore. And like, mm. I don't add that to it, but I, I have- start. I have clinical depression. I have all that kind of stuff. Sit here drinking in front of you. No, I don't care. I, go, I, I do shows all the time. I, I mean, <laughs> I like people that like did. I want everyone to do their own thing. Yeah. I don't miss it. I never, mm. I never liked the taste of alcohol. I liked the results of it. It's a coping mechanism. It was. It made me feel like if I drank, then people liked me, mm. and it, it masked this thing. Uh, I didn't like me, and I kept people around me who didn't like me either. And I started mm. dating people that were just like people negative to me and stuff like that. And then one day I was like, ooh. I was dating this girl and I was just, she was just mean. I go, oh, you're mean. You're right. And I was just like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I quit drinking. And I just quit that day. I have not drank Cold since. Turkey. I didn't go to me. No. Yep. Exactly. Just said no and please leave. Congrats. And that was it. Yeah. But that was, and now because of that, I started writing more instead of just doing crowd work. Mm. I started believing what I was doing, but I never had a complex because I also, I worked at comedy clubs. I ran, I was a house comic at two places. I was a general manager and had the book places too. I learned mm. both sides. So everyone always hated me because I wasn't giving them opportunities or so like I always had that no one likes me mentality. Now I mm. learned later they did. I just didn't like me. So I didn't have time to have a complex. I was too busy feeling bad about me. Right. It sounds like that comedy ruined your life or saved your life. At I was going to ruin it regardless, but I'm having more fun. Like your marriage, personal relationships, but then you found comedy. It was like I found like a second wind. Yes, but if I let comedy get in the way of the marriage, mm. I was going to let anything get in the way of the marriage. Like mm. I can't blame the uh, comedy. You can't blame the comedy. I like, was going to get was, out. It was already failing beforehand. It was just like I, this. I wasn't. Ha- I now, stayed. Now I got something to blame it on. <laughs> right, because my, my my dad when he left, I didn't want to be my dad and leave my kids. Right. So I said, "Well, I can't. I got to stay in this marriage." You know, I wasn't happy for a while, mm. and then she was off. You know getting her masters and doing dumb shit whatever and it was she got masters like making dirt like i don't even know <laughs> masters doing dumb shit <laughs> it was it was dumb she, she's an earthbender whatever she's a, she makes clay i'm like what the fuck yo then she got mad i did jokes i'm like at least people want the joke i don't want mashed potatoes out of that bowl you made but like so i got out of there but i made sure that i was around my kids every day you know mm. what i mean so like i was gonna not be my dad in that regard mm. but like i'm happier now they're happier now they wouldn't they wouldn't have had as happy a life because if i was miserable i probably would have been a miserable around them you know what I mean? Because I wasn't happier being myself when I was there. I love my kids, but I did not like her. So, like, comedy comedy taught me that I don't have to give a shit about what people think about me. Mm-hmm. Because as long as I'm being me, weirdly enough, people are rewarding it with money and stuff. Right. I mean. So, like, a lot of times you feel like you have to be phony. It's like, oh, I, being phony didn't get me the shit I wanted. Mm-hmm. Now saying whatever I want, they're like, oh, this guy does, he has no filter. Yeah, He's yeah, yeah. brutally honest. Like, no, I'm just talking. Like, right. I'm not I'm, worried I'm, about you, fat lady saying from Saying what's in my head saying my thoughts, and they, they happen to be controversial, so be it. I don't give a fuck. They're only controversial you because you're dumb. Like, yep. <laughs> what's the controversy? I just, mm. I just said you're fat, lady. <laughs> just some obvious shit, right? Yeah, you, you, you have no neck. I didn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> now, ultimately, do you feel like it was worth it? Like, you know, marriage. You know, yes, everything, everything you went through. Yes. Now, do you think the kids understand it now because they're older, or because like you had a, like, like, like they actually saw daddy? Like, they came to almost every happen. show. Okay. Like they literally at ages 
like eight and six, they were at the casino mm. sitting in the, like you're talking about Yamanika. They would yeah. sit in the green room when I opened for Yamanika okay. and hang out with her and I'd take pictures. And then they would sit in the back. Mm. I did a show one time at the casino and my, uh, a guy opened it for me, said something crazy and people noticed my son, like 10 years old in the audience. Mm. And you heard the people going, there's a boy there. Right. And so the open act goes, that's fucking Seamus. Seamus, what joke you want to hear? He goes, do that one where you uh, skull fuck o- uh, Olaf from the Frozen. And the guy goes, yeah, that joke. And the whole guy's like, what the fuck? My right. son's laughing because right. he was just allowed to be around that shit. Mm. They saw their dad having fun, but I made sure they were part of everything I was doing. Mm. Anywhere where they would let me, I got put up or in a hotel, whatever. They were coming for the weekends with me. I wasn't not being with them. Mm. They were on the adventure. It was about them. Uh, my jokes were that. So they saw me having fun, but also got to be part of the experience, not just hearing about it. Not the dad who left to go chase a dream but didn't bring the kids with them. I did both. So they they loved that part. They know everything about that. Like my daughter still, when I host that shitty bringer show they have at the casino, mm. these morons go up, my daughter and her friends will come to that late show to watch people fail. That's their favorite thing. Like old, old men chasing a dream but failing miserably in front of their family and friends is their favorite thing. I used to love that stress factor. That's, that's, that's one of the reasons I went. I, I want to see people bomb. I thought that shit was yeah. hilarious to me. It's so good. <laughs> So Especially good. when they go up with confidence too, yeah, and they're just believe, and they think they wrote a joke, nothing. but it's like I just read that meme, like, nothing. Yo, nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Oh, it's so bad. And then when I host those things, I say that after I go up there, I go, "Ooh, that's bad, right?" You're not. And I point, "Where's your family?" Like, "Ooh, you should just go home separately." That's that, don't be proud of that. They're gonna kill you in the car. That's not good. That's now, not good. Now, did you consciously bring them, or you had no choice but to bring them to, oh, to, to the comp? Oh, constantly. Okay. They, I mean, they had choices. Like, I was either always dating people or my mom was around at the time. So, like, they could hang with her. My mom would come to the show sometimes too when you have everybody there. They okay. Say, yeah. But they, they could come hang or just do whatever. They wanted to go and I wanted them there. Mm. Like I say, I also am not like this person that's super social afterwards. Right. So, I would rather hang out with, I love my kids. I'd rather hang out with them afterward. We would, I would, pref- there was times where I'd have a later show like when we were at Foxwoods mm. and um, I would do the show. And they would do, they go to the first one. Then the second one, they go with my mom and they go up to the hotel. And then like, I would go get them while my mom fell asleep after that. So we can go down to the courtyard and watch drunk people fight. <laughs> yeah. So my, 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 my kids love that part. They're like, little kid, we're sitting there, they're getting mm. pizza and they're just watching drunk people where women hold their shoes falling down, men trying to fight over a woman. Mm. And the kids are like, this is the best. Like, cause their, their dad will let them come down and watch that shit. Right. Cause it's great that we would have the experience and have fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, have they caught the bug at all? Do they want to do comedy at all? My, my daughter might be the funniest person I've ever met. And I know parents say that, but like, I have other comedy friends who like are happy when they make her laugh mm. or when she cracks. So she's just quick. She would never want to go on stage, but she's been around them. She just, it's just not her. She's just mm. naturally funny. Mm-hmm. And, um, my son is a funny, goofy guy. She's right. more like a, like a sniper and he's right. just goofy and fun. They All our talks are always about comedy and they like watching stand up and stuff mm. like that, but they would never do it. Mm. My son wants to be a chef. My daughter wants to be a teacher. That's things they want to do, but they use comedy and humor in their shit. You know what I mean? Every teacher I fucking met doesn't want to be a teacher anymore. <laughs> like every, every teacher I met, like they went to school, they thought, you know, what the illusion of, of, of what they thought school was. And then they actually get into school and see how bad these kids are curriculum homework i never have any free time and then it's like they're three years in and they just like why the fuck did i go to school for this so i think they do that because they went to school didn't know what to really be now like Mm. i gotta be something and people were like being a teacher or being a troop that's the two t words that you're supposed to respect but you can be an asshole at both but if you say it people go oh good for you Mm -hmm. you did it but my daughter right now is like (laughs) I, she wants to teach younger kids and all mm. that, but she doesn't want to always do that. Right. I think she, she's thinking about more like social work later on. Mm. And But right now, we just kind of like to, 
enjoy things but still figure shit out, but you can make some money by being a teacher's aide or do whatever while you're figuring shit out. Mm. Okay. So when's the last time that you had a full-time job? During COVID. During co- really? Yeah. Um, when COVID happened, I lo- I my, my all my schedule went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last show was the last weekend of March. You didn't do the online Zoom shows like everybody else? Fuck that shit. I can't do that. That shit was weird. You can't, <laughs> I can't do that shit at all. A buddy of mine did one. And uh, he's a good comic. I got a connect with him, Howie Mason. And he mm. was telling me. So you see all the audience there, and he's doing his jokes. And there's an old lady in one of the screens, mm. and she's watching. And as in the middle of his act, she just gets up like she's not enjoying herself. And he watches <laughs> her walk to the kitchen, uh-huh. and you can see her in the kitchen. She's yeah. getting ice cream, and then she gets a bowl, and then she sits on a couch on the other side of the room. Oh shit! And watches Zoom's TV with the Zoom still on, and finishes the ice cream till he's done, and then comes back. He's like, I would rather just bomb in front wow. of people than watch a lady ignore me for a thing she paid for, and mm. just leave the camera on and watch TV in the other side of the room. Wow. Now, what job did you have during COVID? Because a lot of shit was shut down. So, and I, this half my act right now, my newest hour is about this, mm. but like I, my buddy's like, Hey, I have a friend that manages a retail store. Okay. So I took a job at big lots. Oh, okay. And I do a lot of, jo- and I got fired from that jo- show because, um, job because they said I was talking about it on air and a <laughs> podcast and I wasn't supposed to. Uh-huh. And I did a fucking job at big lots. <laughs> it's not a fucking corporation. I mean, it's, it's corporate. It's not the- like a fucking the stuff firm. I talked about, the podcast got sent to the CEO. Oh. So I got 38 views there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, I, listen, I, I know there was somebody in my life. I'm not sure exactly who, but I have a feeling mm. that wanted to get me in trouble because there's no way that why, someone would find out I was a comedian and also assistant manager at the Derby Big Lots right. and put the two and two together, yeah, find the YouTube, then go to... It was a blessing. Like the divorce right. and everything else, I was missing comedy. Mm-hmm. For about a year, I was like, oh, I'm paying bills regularly. Mm-hmm. I have a regular job, but I couldn't do comedy much because it's weekends, it's retail. You can't mm-hmm. do shit. So I was doing a Thursday show here and there, and I was missing out on other stuff. But like, I was like, oh, I've done it for a while, but maybe now it's time to do something like this. Mm-hmm. But I missed it. I, I missed the comedy thing. So losing the job in May mm-hmm. propelled me into get back into this shit again. Mm-hmm. I was still performing, but not at the level. Before that, I mean- I was, if there's, if, you know, with a year of 365 days, mm. I was on stage 300 days a year. And I was going now, I was probably doing it once a month, mm. twice a month, and I was missing everything. So that was the last full time job I had. The one before that, I actually was running a comedy club in New Haven. It's not around anymore, Joker's Wild, but I was their house comic and I wanted to it. perform at that fucking club so bad. On my, I heard so many stories about it. On my way here, this is going <laughs> to sound like a weird way to do it. I'm, I live like 10 minutes away. So I was walking up the hill, a car stops. And it's the old owner of there who oh. goes, Pat, what the fuck? Because she's from like yeah, Brantford. Yeah, yeah. And she just goes, do you need a ride? I'm like, no, I'm literally going up the street. Right. And we just talked about how she just sold the building after uh-huh. a long, long time being there or whatever. But um, that, that place was a nightmare. That was- I heard. I, 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 if I ever write a book, I got to make sure everyone's dead. But like, <laughs> the, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a laundering for money. Mm. It was, uh, I, I signed all the checks, but I told everyone I can't know anything or I'd be in trouble. And they respected that. But one of the owner who passed away, the husband, mm. he was um, the leader of a biker gang, but also his family's connected to the moth, yeah, mafia. Mafia, yeah. So he would go up and down Worcester Street, that or the Pizza Street in New Haven, mm-hmm. and and he would walk up to each business. Now, if there was a younger, like hip coffee shop, he'd go to them dressed like a biker, mm. and he would say, "Hey, listen, the mob is trying to come here and fuck with some shit. If you pay me a hundred dollars, we'll protect you from the right. mob." And then he would change into change. a suit. <laughs> Go to the Sally's and be like, I'll stop the biker yeah, gang. Stop. 
and I knew that because he had the the, the little waitress checkbooks. Yeah. He would write the names of that with the money next to it and then pay me that amount of cash. I'm like, yo, don't pay me in the extortion. Pay me. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. I fucking miss back in the day. When, like, I, w- I wanted to be around for certain shit, man. I just wish I was, you know, I was born in a different time. But, but the dope thing about that place was they wanted it not to work. It couldn't work. It had to fail. because yeah. the way. So they gave me no advertising, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm performing a lot all over Boston and New York and mm-hmm. becoming friends with these people. So I'm like, that are really good comics, but they're not known yet. Mm. So I'm booking them just to put on good comedy. But it's crazy the lineups I got if you look at it now. Like well, there was one month where I had I had Mark Norman, then Sam Morill, then Joe Liss, and then Rachel Feinstein, who all have comedy central specials and big specials. Yeah. But they were just comics I knew in that area that would come down from New York, take the train, I'd get them, I'd let them headline. Like mm. Louis J. Gomez from Legion of Skanks, his first time ever headlining was at Joker's Wild. Mm. Um we did a Legion of Skanks live from their back room. Um, I had uh, I had Godfrey there. I mm. had because it was I, hey, Scott, if you come on a Thursday, I can throw you a little bit more money than I can normally throw somebody. We right. come do one show. We couldn't advertise this. We had to hope word of mouth told people. Right. But then all of a sudden, my boss comes up to me and goes, "Hey, man, cut the shit. You're making money." You're ma- <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I, I'm trying not not to," but he's like, "You're getting too loud. The shows are getting too good, yeah. and I'm getting too many good comics to come here." Chill the fuck but I out. also let young comics who weren't ready yet open for these guys. Like, mm. you don't even have twenty. I don't care. Go ahead. Right. I can't afford a feature. Mm. So you go ahead and do it. So it was, if you were a young comic, did the mics, you were going to grow through there. Mm. You were going to start off open mic. You were going to end up featuring possibly headlining. Mm. And then I would get guys that I knew before they got too big to mm. be there too. Okay. So now that you've been doing comedy for 15 years, um, do you feel like you're in the space that you're supposed to be in? Because we mentioned the comics earlier that, you know, they just do the same set from eight years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. Do you feel like you should be further along in your career? You should be touring. You should be out of New England. You should be other places. Do you are you happy and content of, of where you are right now? Yes to both. OK, I do believe I'm good enough to do those things. Mm hmm. I do know that it was choices or lack of doing certain things that didn't get me there. I'm not blame. I'm never the guy to blame other people or other. It wasn't like because someone didn't do this for me or that for me. Mm. Maybe I could have networked better. Maybe I could have done this and that, whatever. But I think in reality, I think everything always held me back. Hey, I didn't want to leave my kids. And I know that's mm. a, it's not an excuse. It's not their fault. Mm. I chose that. My kids would have been fine because I would have, if I was traveling, I would have taken them with me. They were, right. we're on a plane now. We're going. So mm. it wouldn't have mattered. It was that kind of like, I like being here. But now, after working that retail job for a year and kind of missing it, mm. I'm very proud of being able to help out comedy around here and mm. try to build something around here, but also being able to perform everything I'm doing. Mm. I'm being respected as like, you heard it there and I, believe me, it makes you feel old, but when someone's like, oh, it's the legend, it's the, yeah. it's the OG, it's all that. I get, I'm like, I know I'm older than you guys, but I also appreciate that they don't know who I am. Yeah, it's the, weird that they do. But does it make you feel weird? Like you hit your ceiling, like you can't get no bigger than being the OG and legend in Connecticut or in the New England New England area. Why do I want to be bigger than the biggest thing? I mean, because, you know. I'm them. I, I, I'm, listen. Yeah, I, you could be the shit here, but. That's it, cool to me. Okay, I'm, as long as that's cool to you. I grew, <laughs> I grew up listening to a dude named Billy Wynn who was a, a comic, and he'd be on all the uh, the radio stations. He'd be like the comic that would sit in all the time. Mm. I'd be in the car, and be like, Billy Wynn's going to be performing in some bar in Cheshire. Yeah. To me, I was like, oh, that's cool. He's a he's on the radio. Mm. I'm the dude on the radio now. Yeah. Like I grew up listening to that. Now I'm the guy who's the guest on there and does those things, and I'm mm. the guy that young comics want to work with. And he, Pat, I, I opened for him, and he opened for Jim Jeffries in a the theater, and he did mm-hmm. this and that. Yeah, I mean, like I've got a, I'm going to be recording an, uh, an album, and this will be the first one that someone else is 
putting money into. Mm. I had to do the first two myself. Right. Now someone else is actually believing in what I'm doing. And that is that cool? Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. But if it doesn't get me thinking any more than recording it, I don't know. I've kind of been last six years living my life saying my whole goal in life is to make my obituary cooler. Right. Like that's it. Like I've done, mm-hmm. I've written a book. I've been on radio. I've done podcast. I've, I've, I was, I'm on a, I was on a TV show where I pretend my mom was dead for 50 bucks. Yeah. Like go <laughs> watch. Talk your, about that too. Yeah. Go watch your stream <laughs> cheesecake. Like I've done some silly, crazy shit. I'm like Forrest Gump. So like you might say I'm not Chris Rock, but like to me, I've done so much shit. If I go talk to dudes I know from high school, they're all bragging. They know me. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get to do fun shit. I don't work during the day. So when you're like, hey, can we sit and ch- this is there's nothing more fun than this. Yeah. Just talking shit about f- having fun. I can't wait until I get to that fucking point. Where you just have a good time? You'll get there. I fucking can't wait. Yo. You'll get there or you'll find a way to do I, it. I'm trying. Right. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> Some guys don't get the freedom of that certain thing, but you find the way to find that avenue. Mm-hmm. As long as you just don't ever like I knew comics that would that told themselves they had to perform at the comedy cellar or they had to be on Comedy Central. And they got so focused on one thing, they mm-hmm. missed other doors and avenues. Right. Like I found other shit by mistake. Right. Like I got to be on the radio because I was hired to roast a radio personality mm. at a thing. And, and I did so well. They're like, oh, can you come on the radio show as, as a morning as guest? Mm. And they never had me on before. I went on. They liked me. I was a guest every month. And then I started liking being on the radio. So I turned to the general manager who was there. and I go, how the hell do you get into radio? Right. And he goes, well, we'd like to start getting people like you because we'd rather teach you radio rather than teach personality. So ah, go it. ahead. So I just started doing part time. <sighs> they just hired me a week later. And I just got hit, and people got mad at me. Like, you just get shit. Like, well, no, you just, mm-hmm. eh, 90% of things in the world, if you just ask, yeah. you'll get the shit. Most people just don't want to ask. Yeah. I should have, I should have asked. That's all I do. Yeah. It's like, I would like to learn radio. Okay. You're not going to say much. That's fine. I want to learn radio. Cause I would love to be on radio. I've been on radio before as a guest. I would love to actually like host some shit and change the radio landscape. In Connecticut. Now that part's very hard because like now it's That's becoming- really not. No, no, change the because no, because the corporate I mean, you're like yeah, corporate involvement. I'm just talking about personality wise. I'm just talking right. about- you know, like, like, But right like now, I, I, when I'm on radio, I'm doing weekends and I'm getting 35 to 40 seconds four times an hour. Right. So I can be funny, but you're not, it's not about you. It's about playing the classic yeah, yeah, rock yeah, music yeah. and shit. Mm. But I'm doing that while still being a guest for an hour in the morning show mm. where they know my comedy personality and now both are combining and now I'm trying to build this like resume yeah. for a year or two from now I can say hey if someone out there is trying to do a morning show I know how to yeah. do it I can be entertaining I know what I'm doing but I also know the radio side of it too right right so I'm I want to learn as much shit as possible mm. like I like talking to people that do things different than me so I can learn new shit because why would I want to talk to people who do the same shit as me mm. I already learned that shit okay you know what I mean so like to me I'm getting, I'm doing so much with my life that I'm, I, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of things. Like it was a laughing the other day. Like my, my, my daughter was like, I made the joke. She comes to watch those shows. Mm. She doesn't pay to go to comedy shows at, at the Mohegan Sun. She just walks in mm. because of her dad. Cause they know her. Yeah. Watch the show. But, and that's cool to me. Like we just, she was laughing. She goes, I've been in green room. Like I picture of comedians for no reason. And it's just who I am. The fact that when I have a, like my birthday show is coming up, I just call up Chaz and AJ, the morning show around here. And I just go, mm. can I come on tomorrow? And they're like, you're in. Right. I, I, I love the fact that I just have that ability. If, and if that's not making it to other people, I'm sorry, but I'm having a good ass time. Yeah. I, I want to do that with my kids right now. It's just been like girls like, Hey, I know such and such. We can, you can come here. Like we good here. Like I want to do that with my kids actual kids one day right it was like you could just walk in anywhere like oh you you fucking dom's daughter all right cool mm-hmm. fuck with that now um the television show how did that opportunity come about um they uh, i was working at joker's wild mm-hmm. 
the people that I didn't even know it was for. There's a there was a show called Extreme Cheapskates, mm-hmm. and it was on TLC. And the show was basically people do things on the extreme cheap and they would try to make shit up, whatever. It's reality, but obviously everything is scripted and shit. Right. So I was running Joker's Wild. They had reached out to their producer, this guy Derek something, I forget his last name. Mm-hmm. But he um he, he reached out to us and said, hey, we would like to use your comedy club. We have this woman from Brantford who puts on fashion shows. And she what we want to do is you want to make a scenario where she does a fashion show at your open mic. Okay. Where she takes the five minutes, mm-hmm. she goes up and instead of telling jokes, starts putting on clothing and things and that kind of shit. And I'm like, well, that'd be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But when they tried to like make it all work in the, the logistics, it couldn't work that night last second. Mm-hmm. But they still had camera crew and things and they had to get something for this show. They still didn't even told me it was for Extreme Cheesecake. They just said whatever. <laughs> they just told so <laughs> that night they messaged me and said, and they had seen me perform before because they came to one of the mics to scout it out. Mm-hmm. And they said, we just, now we're going to have a change of something. We're going to pretend like Oh, we need someone who can pretend like their mother died and mm. she's going to go. We're, we're saying that she goes through the obituary. This woman doesn't do this, by the way. Okay. She has caught so much hate on YouTube because of this. Mm. That's the one thing she doesn't do. But there are people <laughs> out there who do this. They go through the obituaries and they try to find women who had a lot of clothes. And if mm. they died, they ask the sons and they don't have any daughters to pass them on to for mm. clothes. So they said, well, can you pretend your mom died? We rented a bed and breakfast in the Yale area <laughs> of New Haven. Your yep. mom died. <laughs> there was a, there was, they rented a bed and breakfast near the hockey rink in, in New Haven. Mm. And they were pretending it was my home. So they told me that that night. So the next morning, I got high shit. And then I walked over there. Because I'm like, I don't know what this is about. There's going to be no script. They go, we can't talk to each other. We can't do nothing. Right. We have to just. And so they had a camera follow this woman up to my door. They let us meet. But we couldn't talk to each other. Okay, and I had to just react, and she had to do her thing. Oh. <laughs> so she come up, so she came up to the door, and she was just like, she did her whole spiel, and then I just looked at the camera. I was like, "You want my dead mom's clothes?" <laughs> and like, I looked high as fuck. Mary thought I was crying. Right. So everyone's like, "Wow!" He's, I had people say to me, "You're such a great actor." I'm like, "You just get high as shit and pretend was, like your mom died." Yeah, right. <laughs> now they recorded this shit for like an hour, and we did so many scenes, but like they obviously used like 13 seconds. Right. But they were they they were gonna send me the clips of things because I started making the camera crew laugh so hard at my shit. Right. Like, like there was a we're in this like room and it's like this old ass living room and there was a mantle and there was a picture of an old ass woman like it's like a black and white like almost drawn picture of a woman mm. and next to it was a porcelain horse on the mantle mm-hmm. and the woman is trying to ad lib and she looks at me and she goes is that your mother? And I went, no, that's a horse. And the guy dropped his camera. He's like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, sorry. But I'm just having fun with it, whatever. But like, we were just doing shit like that. And I was joking around. Like we had to, I had to walk her upstairs. So I said, be careful on the railing. Me and mother used to slide down it, pretending right. we were in risky business. And she's like, what the fuck? But they literally just used the clip for a couple of minutes. Mm. But when that came out, there used to be a show called Ease Talk Soup. Mm. And that shows they would take reality clips all the time and make fun of it. Right. And they would also take from other shows and do it. They took my clip for like a week. Every mm. time Kardashians did some dumb shit or like somebody on Survivor did dumb, right. my face would pop up and go, you want my dead mom's clothes? <laughs> so people would be hitting me up. So right. I got these two TV credits that were fucking right. crazy for no reason. That's crazy. This got on YouTube right now. It's got over 3 million views. Mm. It's got over 3,000 comments. And everybody, all the women are writing, leave this man alone. His mother <laughs> died. And then once in a while you see someone write, this isn't true. Yeah. I saw him on stage. He tells jokes about it. This is a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. And I'll and I'll write fuck you. I'm trying to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> now that didn't give you like the the acting bug, the bug to be on television, the bug to actually write for others, n- nothing like that. I I I am currently writing something with someone. Someone someone just recently did that. Mm. I've never had that. I, I like 
I like just telling jokes. I like my mm. shit. I don't like acting. I'm happy they let me just make shit up. Mm. I don't like saying other people's ideas. I'm too self. I couldn't do improv. I'm selfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't like that kind of shit. I don't like being phony or like, I don't I look, look at me. I'm a doctor. I'm not a fucking mm. doctor. I don't want to pretend to be a doctor. You don't give a fuck about money, it seems like. I like that. No, I, I don't. I never had it. So <laughs> you could do I, it. You just don't. I just, I could pursue that thing. Yeah. But would I get mad if I didn't get it? I know with comedy, mm. it's just 100% my control. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's management and there's people like that, but for the most part, it's all in my control mm. and I can do what I want with it. But it's just like, yeah, the money part, would it be nice to be able to not worry about shit? Sure. Mm-hmm. But I've never, never had one. I was raised poor. I've always been poor. Mm-hmm. When someone says, hey, if we create this thing and we get a third person and someone said to me, like, we have this thing, we each get 33%. Are you okay with that? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I got 0% now. Right. And so I'm fine with so giving up you get- 66% of the thing that doesn't exist. <laughs> right. I know you, you're some idiot that thinks this is going to be the biggest. You're, we're going we're gonna to write Seinfeld 2. Mm-hmm. Right. Probably not going to be nothing. Mm. I don't care. So I'd rather just have the experience of doing it so I know how to do it. Mm. So if someone says you want to write something, I'm like, yeah, sure. And I go, well, I don't have like the app. And so I, I'm the kind of guy that will do that. And then someone believes in me. They're like, you're funny. So someone the other day, someone just bought me final draft. They want me to write a thing for them. Mm. So I got a $200 program. Even mm. if I never write anything, I got this program now. And right. I'm very happy to have it. You mm. know, it's like, so I just, I would rather just have fun exploring and doing things. And if something cool happens out of it, great. But I'm not going to worry about it. Great. You, like whatever happens, happens. Whatever the wind blows me, it's just. As long as I have control of the wind. As long as I have control. If someone else has control of the wind, I'm not good. That's a bar. I like that. <laughs> That's a bar. I like that. Um, what's your favorite failure? Hmm. I don't, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. Um, hmm. Obviously something that, you know, that happened, you took a loss, but it taught you something meaningful. You took something away from it that was greater than what could have been. I was in college. And I, um, me and my friends were walking to a bar and I was drunk, but I was also being the guy who needed attention shit. Mm-hmm. And we were on, uh, it was across in Whaley Avenue. Mm-hmm. And, oh shit. Um, it wasn't the greatest section to be drunk yeah. and being me. Mm-hmm. And there was a, uh, a van parked at a red light as we were crossing the street. And I thought it'd be fun to jump on their bumper and okay. just pop on it. Mm. And um, three, with three of my friends with me, we were playing rugby players. So I'm like, oh, we're tough, whatever. Mm. We were going to this bar across the street quick to do a shot or two. And there was this chick who was into me having a party across the street the other way. Mm. So we we're going to get drunk quick and then go over there. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling like the man. I'm drinking, right. about to get laid. Everything's happy. Yeah. And then I thought I would just jump on this guy's bumper. Two of the biggest dudes you've ever seen <laughs> got out. And I turned around thinking I have backup. All my friends are hiding in a bush. Mm. And I got my ass kicked mm. on Whaley Avenue in the middle of the road. Right. And then my friends dragged me over there. I went into the bar. They knew me. They're laughing. I got my <laughs> I, my face is swollen up. Mm. I get I do a shot. And then I go over and still got laid. <laughs> <laughs> so, But it taught me. Oh, my God. You okay? Oh and it wasn't God, about the late okay. thing or anything like that. It was like, yeah, happiness happened out of it. But it's like. All right, man, you can have fun, but don't ruin other people's day. Right. I've taken that with comedy. When I do crowd work and I make fun of people, mm. it's like you can be an asshole completely and be mean to them, but they're going to go home with the mean experience. Mm. I'd rather than want to come back and see me again. Mm. So make sure you're making fun of you as much as you're making fun of someone else. Before you jump on someone else's car, have yeah. your own car. Have you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's like instead of doing that shit. Yeah. Every failure I've had is be. I've got my ass kicked twice in life. That one, mm. and when I was in Derby High School, and there was these two kids that were just dudes, hung out, 
Mm. Nowadays they would call them bros, right? And they would just hang out. But but when I was gay, I was gay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you just uh, cuddling with a dude, <laughs> I know now everybody thinks about it. But it's just like you know, it's like oh, we're just gonna watch Stand Are By Me. You gay? I'm really gay. I I ain't gay. We just have sleepovers. Yeah, a bunch. Right. Like, just... <laughs> like, you gotta get a hug from the bros. You know, six in a hot tub because we're not gay. No, you are gay. Like, so, but these two dudes would always do that. So I thought it'd be funny as the bully idiot kid to always right. every time they spoke like they'd raise their hand yeah. what's the answer I'm like gay yeah. like, and I would do it all the time one day they walked out of class and then they just jumped me and beat the shit out of me and I got suspended they didn't uh, because, because I was because they knew that, that be, you were a nuisance because they said he just wouldn't stop calling them gay right. and as the principal said we don't have gay people here. So like, that's how long ago, early nineties. Early nineties. We better not. They, they play football. You know. They better not be. I'm like, oh, you should see them under the bleachers. Oh, but like, like, I learned when I came back from that. Mm. Like, hey, you can have once again have fun, joke around. But there's consequences to the shit mm. you do in life. Mm-hmm. You know, just walking around thinking just because you're funny you'll get away with shit. Mm. Someone sometimes kick your ass. Mm. Like I'm not a man involved in violence. I'm not a fighting guy. Mm. But if someone runs their mouth too much to me. I'll do something. No, Just, you got to learn a lesson. So like, but also I know myself, like there's limits to put people through. And it's funny because those two dudes have like said, apologize. One of them is gay. So fuck you. Right. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm the reason why. Like, I didn't know. We came together. Stop calling me out. <laughs> it's like, you know I like bussy. Stop. Yeah, for, but, but I always tell people it was the straight one that beat me up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's no. I mean, if you get beat by a gay man, there's no like. It's just, it's still a man. He just happens to like dick. You know, it depends how he's beating you up. If he, beat, <laughs> if he beats you up with his pants down, you're like, all right, oh, right, right, oh right. shit, oh, and you fired up too. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. hey. <laughs> but when it comes to like comedy and things, I don't. And this is one of those stupid things that some comics mm-hmm. argue with me. Right. I don't believe in bombing. I don't believe in killing. Mm. There is no bombing because mm. we only we only learn from failures. Mm. Like so, like when I go on stage and tell a joke and it didn't hit, I got work to do. Mm. That's exciting. I want to keep writing. I want to work on shit. Exactly. If everything's hitting, then I'm doing. Then either the audience is lying or I'm not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. I'm just being simple. I'm being a hack, which is that generalization of comedy. When you are a hack, you're not a, you're not a joke thief, mm. but a hack is someone who's like, hey, what about airplane food? We yeah. all know about airplane food. What yeah. about this? What about Game yeah. of Thrones? We all know it's an easy laugh. We all understand it. I rather push buttons and go and go places so I only fail from that. When someone's on an open mic and they don't do well, I'm like, it's a batting practice, motherfucker. Yeah. If you go to, ba- if, if A-Rod hits out four in the batting practice, but none during the game, mm. you still got no home runs. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's all you're working on. So there's no failure, but you also don't kill. Right. When someone's like, oh, I killed tonight. I'm like, oh, you made people laugh F, yeah. while telling Joe, like your job? Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed, that's like someone who made a sandwich going, I made sandwiches today. Yeah, yeah. Like you're supposed to. You're a sandwich maker. You should like, work at Subway then. Right. That's, you're an artist. <laughs> right. I know. But like that's, so there is no failure when it comes to that. To creativity, there is no failure. Mm-hmm. Unless you decide it's a failure. Right. This didn't work out. Like when the comic goes on stage, I forgot my lines. I'm like, all right. No one in the audience knew what you were going to say. Yeah, exactly. Only you know that shit. Right. So if you own it, it's fine. So if you don't feel, to me, failures in light, like that shit like that, like did I fail to, a relationship? Sure. Mm. But did I move on and other things happen? Yes. Yeah. So like you still learn from all, as long as you learn from them, they're not bad failures. Mm. I only learn to not jump on cars or call people gay. Yeah, right. And I only do one of those things now. Right. <laughs> Depends on the night. Your, your, your car is safe. Right. Your car is safe. <laughs> I feel like I haven't bombed yet, but I haven't done as well as I wanted to. Like, I, you know, with most people, I'm my own worst critic. Right. So it was like, I feel like, you know, 
I didn't get the laughs I wanted. I didn't hit this the way I wanted. Because like I said, a lot of my shit isn't really fleshed out the way I wanted to. So if I didn't get the laughs I wanted, that's my own fault. But every time I go up on stage and someone doesn't laugh at some shit, I, I still feel good after. Like, I'm right. really doing what I want to do. Like, I've been, like I said, I've been wanting to do this since I was 10 years old. Every Like, ever since I saw Chris Rock uh, bring the pain, I'm yes. like, that shit looks fun. Yep. And then every comedy special I see after that with somebody I like when I seen Eddie Murphy Raw or like, you know, I see a Bill Burr special, I see uh Jim Gaffigan or like whoever. Like I, I that just that shit just looks fun. Just to give my raw ass thoughts, whether they be, you know, whether it be crowd work, whether it be like something I feel like that's a little dark. Fucking Patrice O'Neill, uh Pink Elephants, like one of my favorite specials ever. Um, just getting on stage and just giving people me. Immediate, like at first scared the shit out of me but once it was like it's people on there that just do bad like I can't yeah. be scared of my, I can't be scared of like I think I'm funny so I just get out there and I and I get a couple laughs I'm like alright this is this is cool this 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 is fun so if I bomb I don't I'm still doing what I want to do because I put it off for so long that if I do bomb it's like I'm still happy like I just did what the fuck I wanted to do we, we have a superpower right we we go up with a dumb idea and then we elicit a feeling out of somebody. Right. That's the feeling you get. And if you don't get a feeling out of them, it's not that your superpower doesn't work. It's that they're just not the one you're battling right now. Exactly. They got other shit in life. Like they, you don't know how their day was. They might, they might have been dragged to this comedy show by their wife. And they're like, they're like, they hate their wife, their kids or whatever. Yeah. And now they're like, they had to hear about this shit. And they're like, or maybe they're sitting there wanting to do comedy. And now they're mm. mad that you're doing something. They can't. There's so many things in their head that's happening too. Mm. That happens that way. But yeah, I love doing it i mm. love performing in that same way but like you brought up patrice um a couple months before he died he was at foxwoods and i was the house comic there i got mm. to meet him mm. and his mom who's amazing Fucking and he's jealous. one of the greatest ever and he was so cool like so he was um first of all if you were worried if everyone thought like did he know he was gonna die motherfucker was eating he, his mother brought two double-sided right. chops and we, so the comedy club is right next to inside fox was there's a, a, a i think it's called like golden dragon or something like that right. it's a chinese place so he he walked over he had his mother walk over with the pork chops and said can you double fry these in the wok <laughs> so he made them the chinese cooked the food for him and then he had a giant thing of grape soda and he was yeah. eating that before yeah. he went on stage Age, yeah so it's like the dude was not worried about his health but mm. he was on stage and he he had you know he's one of those dudes that you don't get involved if like hecklers get yeah, 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 yeah. but he we had a rule at the club and they said that um if there was ever a problem in the audience you order a pepsi on stage because mm. they didn't serve pepsi yeah, yeah. so they heard pepsi like oh there's a problem go to that order mm. to that table and i was open it for him so i was standing off to the side and um so he's doing his thing and this white dude is just being like awful I'm not even funny just like stepping over everything drunk being dumb yeah. whatever and at one point he's like making fun of him then he's not having fun he just stops and goes yo well, let me get a and he blanks on yeah. it. and he just goes oh never mind yo pat oats yeah. fuck that dude up <laughs> so he points to me and it was like what the fuck and this dude stands up he's a big motherfucker yeah, right? and I walk in and he goes come on Pat Oates fuck him up Pat Oates will fuck you yeah. up <laughs> and I was like as much as like my, you know my ass kicked how cool is it that Patrice knows my name right and, he right. Just, and he's yelling it like I'm his boy yeah. <laughs> I don't know. it was so funny hey yo Get him. <laughs> the guy just said that. He was, Sorry, Patrice. Like, whatever. Uh, so he wasn't scared of me. But right. He was, he was, yeah. Because Pat was taught you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like the coolest. Just, just, I mean, once again, yeah. dumb things in my life. For a moment, Patrice, only, my hero was Greg Giraldo. Mm. I loved him. And I got to open for him before he died, too. That's and that was one my first times I got to open for. I was mm. at the Funny Bone, and they asked me. I was doing well enough. There's a host. They're like, pick a date, see a comic you like, and you want to open for them, you can't. 
and mm. Greg Drolo was coming and it was amazing to be able to work with him and uh, I had a failure that night that's when mm. I wrote the beginning of my book I wrote about it right. that he, I said uh, I was doing hack ass shit when I first started like mm. I would I would do a joke there's a there was used to be a strip club in West Haven called Jindy's mm. and it's like the it's like the minor league baseball strip clubs right like, yeah the single A ball so they don't have a DJ <laughs> the girl would have to take um the dollar she got and put it in the jukebox and oh play the song and walk back. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a joke about a girl who worked that I called Thunder and she was four foot four both ways and she would play Thunderstruck three times and then she would go up and I would bring someone on stage and I would tie my shirt in a knot and I pretend I'm the fast stripper. Dumb as shit. <laughs> like I look back at that I'm like you dumb hack but whatever people laughed at it. Right. I was doing that while he was getting ready to come on stage mm -hmm. and I had done well for like 20 minutes and then I did that for the last five and as I walked off and the host was getting ready to bring him up he walks up to me shakes my hand because he wasn't there earlier and, he uh. was, and I said hi nice to meet you and he goes if I ever see you do shit like that again I'll make sure you never work in comedy motherfucker and he mm. walks away from me. And now I watch my hero kill. Yeah. And I'm ready to quit. I'm going to quit comedy. Right. You just told me to fuck off. I'm probably going to fire from the show. I'm cry. probably fired anyway. So as the show ended and he was signing autographs and shit, I started walking away. And he goes, hey, come here. Yeah. I'm like, so I come over. He goes, he explains to me. He goes, hey, I've been sober for the first time in like four years. So I'm going through some shit. I'm trying to get my kids back. I'm trying right. to get doors. I got a lot of shit going on. But So what I say got more to do with me than it got to do with you. Well, I thought that. But instead he's like, he goes, but I walked in here not even giving a fuck what's going on. And then I watched you for 20 minutes. And I'm like, and someone told me you've been doing comedy three years. And I'm like, this dude's good. This dude's funny. He gets it. Mm. And then you went up with that fucking bullshit. And you told that audience they can come on stage with me. Mm. They can do what they want. We're animals. We're not entertainers. There's no respect for us. You did all this. Why did you? You you, you were so much better. You could come up with one more joke. You were so much better than what you did. Right. You just took the easy way out. Mm. And, and it made me so mad. I was like, fuck you. I, I, I was about to say I was going to recommend you work with other people. Mm. And now I would never. I'm not going to get you fired. But there are people that would ruin your comedy for doing that shit. Mm. That makes you a local hack instead of a good comic. That fucking last joke. Mm. And then I'm like, you, you, you could have been nicer. Yeah. <laughs> so the next night, I was I had to bring him up. It was a two man show, mm. and uh, for the second show, so I did my whole thing, whatever. Didn't do that joke, did mm. fine. And as he was walking up, um, I announced his name, but then he wasn't on the side. Funny one's a big room, but you can't see on the side. Yeah, yeah. I guess he didn't realize he was coming up right then. So he went to the bathroom quick. Mm. So I yelled his name. They're playing music. No one's coming up. I'm standing there for a minute, looking around, mm. and then he finally runs up and he goes. I'm sorry, man. I was in the bathroom. I'm like, you're mm. bullshit like that again. I'll make sure you're never working comedy, motherfucker. <laughs> he laughed his ass off. <laughs> and when he had passed away, I got asked to tell that story at one of those shows they uh, did, whatever, okay. like that, too. So it was cool. But I ended the story by saying, so if you want to know the moral of the story, mm. God liked me better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he was a rose dude. He would have appreciated that. Right. But like, once again, I have a story about Greg Giraldo. Mm. I got to work with JB Smooth. And yeah. then unfortunately, that brought his brother his brother to our comedy scene, mm -hmm. um, which is terrible. But you know, I'm kidding. I like think he's a good dude. But like, but like JB, we came to Connecticut. Floyd, man. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's a good dude, but I met him through his brother, who I got to work with, and I learned the greatest lesson about comedy. Mm. His brother was performing on six different shows at Joker's uh, after one of the, this is right when he started being Leon on mm. Curb. And um, after the show, this older dude comes over, and I'm standing next to him, and he's like, he goes, uh, hey, uh, my son is a big fan. He's real sick. And JB's like, oh my God, is he okay? He's like, no, 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 not like that. Just mm. like he had a cold, mm. but he was going to come to the show. Right. He loves, we watch you on Curb. Would you mind signing something for him? And he mm. goes, you got your phone? He got his mm. phone. I goes, go ahead, put, on, put the video on. And then he was Leon mm -hmm. for five minutes, talking to the son, mm -hmm. talking shit about his dad, joking around. Made a whole video for him mm -hmm. and said that. And he goes, um, and here's here's my uh, manager's number. The next time that I'm in the Connecticut, you contact. You got tickets. You, and your yeah, son, yeah. you come see me. I'll take care of you. Word. Um, and he walks away. And I was like, 
and we were doing six shows and I was just like, dude, that's so cool. He goes, I wouldn't be making money or doing this without that. Without them, yeah. Without a family who gets around and goes, I'm special. He's like, I'm an idiot on TV and running around. I'm mm-hmm. having fun. If people don't think, we don't thank them, what's the point? Mm-hmm. We have to stop acting like we're important. They're right. the reason we're important. So right. if, I, if I don't do that for them, why would they ever come back? The reason why this is sold out is because they all love me, so mm-hmm. I have to love them back. And it's like, that stuck with me too. Like, right. I don't, I, I still can't love people. But like, <laughs> but I, I realized, how the fuck I'm but I realize now when they come up and they tell me things about my jokes, realize that it resonated with them. So appreciate it. Don't, you don't have to let them fucking tell you what to do or be disrespectful. But when they want to thank you, it be acceptable of that because like you're chasing a dream, but without them buying tickets to go see it, you wouldn't be able to do that shit. Right. Um, worst time on stage, worst set, worst, just worst time on stage. In retrospect, the one I just said about Greg Giraldo. Okay. But before that, um, I mean, there's a, there's a couple, nothing too bad. Like, all right, one time I was open for this dude, Josh Wolf. And he's known in like LA and stuff like that. Mm. And um, he's a big edibles guy. Mm. And I'm not a edibles guy. Like I'll take mm. them, but I don't do anything when I like, go on stage. Right, right. right now, I'll smoke weed, I open mics and shit. Mm. But I don't do it when I go on stage because my ADHD helps my crowd work and all that shit. Right. So I don't like to do that. But afterwards, after watching eight comics fail and all ask for my advice, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I gotta get a little high. I'm like, mm. like, if you get me high, I will talk to you more about your jokes. Right. So it's like, <laughs> but like, but when I go, when I stay at places like casinos and stuff, I will take edibles because I don't drink. So like the best thing in the world is to walk around a casino two in the morning on edibles, watch your people fail. Right. Like you lose their money, they break up, shit right. like that. Yeah. The slot machine lights. It's a good time. So I wasn't doing anything. I was open for him that weekend. He plays music and stuff like that. And he said to me on Saturday, he's like, uh, I'm gonna I might call you back up on stage to do a song with me. I'm like, I don't sing. He's like, yeah, but we just do like an ad lib thing where you just make mm. something up. I'm like, whatever, it sounds done. And then he said to me, uh, in between the shows, he goes, We're not gonna do that afterwards. Mm. And he goes, Um, by the way, you want an edible? And I was gonna have one more show i right. knew it wouldn't kick in until i was done my 20 minute set anyway right, yeah. so i'm like you know what sure mm. so i take the edible and then when he's about to go on stage he goes uh oh i'm gonna bring you up and i'm like you said no he goes yeah that's why i gave you that edible i was oh. lying this is gonna be fun so <laughs> so i go up and shit. i don't know what the fuck because it was some strong ass <laughs> shit mm. and nothing was wrong but i've never felt i've never felt out of control on stage mm. i always have control of what i'm doing and this was the one where it's like all of a sudden he's like say this and I'm like what and he's like what's wrong I'm like, huh? and I have a video of it right. I end up like doing alright with it but it was just like it was embarrassing because I almost yeah. felt like I wasn't a comic I was just like a guy who was like a, like a make a wish brought up <laughs> and just like clap for the people like, yeah so we did it look at this fucking guy <laughs> but besides that like there's no like I said there's no fails on stage I, I, mm. everything was an opportunity there's shows that haven't gone well mm. there's shows where I probably like when I used to care about what people would say, like I used to take shows and someone's like, Hey, can you be clean? I'm yeah. like, all right, I guess. But then like, well, you would, you would do what you think is clean, but they're like, Oh no, you said this. I'm like, well, that wasn't dirty. Like then there is no definition of clean. So I'm like, fuck that shit. I'm going to be me. Don't hire me for shit. Mm. You don't hire a guy to make you sushi when all he does is make sandwiches. Right. You know what I mean? So like, just hire what you need. So like I had those kind of fails where I bombed because they it was all like soccer moms who wanted clean jokes mm-hmm. and I'm talking about dirty shit, but like you shouldn't have hired me then. Right, so right. I didn't do bad. You just weren't on board for what I was doing. You just weren't my demographic, mm. even though if they just let their inhibitions go and stopped being worried about the other moms and what they thought, they would have laughed and had fun. Mm-hmm. Cause even afterwards they'd come up to me and go, you were funny. I'm like, where the fuck were you right. when I needed your laughter? <laughs> where were you when I needed you? But yeah. But like I, I've made decisions on stage that I shouldn't have. 
Mm-hmm. Like I was in a contest years ago in Newport, Rhode Island, it was all Rhode Island comics, and I went up in it and I made it to the finals. And I beat a lot of guys that I probably shouldn't have. But in the finals, you it was, shouldn't have. Yeah, they were higher level than me at that point. They were guys. No, they were they were all expected to win. Yeah, okay. I'm this dude coming out of here. Everyone, everyone's getting the the, the audience is choosing the winners. Okay, yeah. So like I'm doing well enough where I'm making people's the, friends vote for it, me instead. Yeah. So like I was the underdog coming through. So mm-hmm. I was happy with myself, but I had I had no worries about I'm like if i lose i'm supposed to lose right so if i just go hard i'll do whatever right. so i make it to the finals of this thing and i'm going against a guy who's a, a deaf comedian he used to be he used to have no hearing he got the inocular things whatever uh-huh. and he calls himself the deaf comedy jam this is fucking fat that's why okay. yeah. like, i'm the real deaf comedy jam i was like bullshit right. so and then he gets there and then all his friends and family he's from that town all his friends and family are there they're reciting his jokes to him before he fucking even tells them. like he's the beatles and they know all the right. songs so i'm like there's no chance of me at all being this but he goes up he's like well i was deaf and all his jokes like that so I was a second comment to go and my other buddies were there watching. And um, so when I went up, I stopped and I went, Hey guys, before we start, I just want to let you guys know, I just got some bad news. I, I have, um, I have cancer. Anyway, let's do this. And then I did my set <laughs> right. and they were so on board and they were cheering and laughing. And at the very end I went, Fuck you, man. I ain't got cancer. You just bought his deaf shit. I'm just proving that all you give a fuck about is handicap shit. So fuck off. You know I was better. Of course I lost. They were booing. They were mad. I could have just like lied and won it, but I was like, I'd rather be the asshole and prove a point. Whatever. So like, this dude was just doing his thing. He used to not be able to hear a miracle happen, and I'm shitting on it. Like, and he's a good guy, and I keep telling this story to a lot of people, and he's like, stop telling this story. Everyone knows who the deaf comedy jam comic is. So, but yeah, I shouldn't have done that but i was like fuck you i'm ruining your day because to me i hate anyone that's handicapped in comedy because the more handicapped you are the more opportunities you get yeah, you know yeah, you get that yeah. it's way better like i did a show one time where a girl did have cancer and she did like a five minute set and i said to her don't talk about the can just do your set it's gonna because other comments have to go on after you mm. it's gonna become make a wish it's gonna become sad and weird so as she's finished your set she stops and goes i might die soon everyone's mm. like crying and shit so then i come up i'm hosting it and she calls me over and she goes to hug me mm. i'm like why are we hugging i don't know right you. right right and she held me and i grabbed the mic and i went hold me closer girl with cancer <laughs> and everybody just started booing i'm like fuck you i have two friends who still bring that shit up like, that's how i felt about my showcase because i went after the girl rachel that had the traumatic brain injury i was like how the fuck we am I supposed two. to? yeah we had two but i was like how the fuck am i supposed to go after that yo everybody loves her for, for her stories and the fact that she has a traumatic brain injury and she's getting on stage and she's telling these wacky ass stories like how the fuck am i supposed to she follow that filthy 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 you're sucking hot that dude who gets his dick sucked by a lady with brain damage <laughs> I don't think she had brain damage at the time. I hope no, not. she says she's still doing it. I mean, she's still, yeah, well, like her, her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. You I, don't lose brain damage. Yeah, you don't lose. I'm talking about when she was talking about she fucked Fabulous or some shit like that. She was talking like, she was yeah. Talking about, oh, no, I hope yeah. Fabulous didn't do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be like, I hope you didn't do that. Breathes about me. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you get your son uh, by somebody with special needs. That's got to be tough. That, <laughs> you got to think about yourself. Special place. That'd be my, my, my failure. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> So she didn't fuck you. It's like, what? Well, I couldn't even get the special needs. Don't fuck me. I'm not retarded. I'm- <laughs> Holy shit. Um, we gotta wrap up soon because I gotta go and get my kids and shit. Um, the Pato Show. It's That's- called it's called POS. POS. It does stand for Pato Show, but it also you know, so stands for piece, piece of shit. shit. We take stories that are trending. Why is it Pato's is sad on? It, it used to be that, and then I had someone else running that 
thing. Uh-huh. My old podcast was called Pat Oates is Sad uh-huh. because people always said, no matter what, even I'm having a good time, my face always looked like I wasn't happy. Right. Okay. So I, I always said I had resting basset hound face. And like, so we called the show Pat Oates is Sad because we kept saying that shit. But it, it changed and evolved and it became like the Pat Oates show. I didn't really want to call it that because I have a co host, mm. but we like the POS thing. So it became mm. that. We take stories that are trending. I usually find them all in New York Post. I don't do political. We just do stupid stories in the news. Mm. And then me, my co host, and a guest, we choose who the piece of shit is in the stories. Okay. So we read it and we also bullshit and do shit like that too. Mm. And I, I let some local comics on. And we have lately, I found this woman that gives us a. She gives me like a pipeline to like C-list porn stars mm. that come out. So I get like open mic porn stars on my fucking thing. Yeah, so you had like three porn stars on already. In right? a row. In a- and they were fun. They were good. The first <laughs> one we had, the first one everyone's going to do, I'm like, I don't know. I want funny people. I don't really, right. I don't give a fuck about porn. I just don't care. Mm. I Good power to them. Listen, you go out, you do you, baby girl. You do your right. thing. You sell you. It's just not, I don't care about it. You know what I mean? And also, once I get to know you, I can't jerk off to you. So don't ruin right. the illusion. So beforehand, but, like, have you researched them beforehand? No. The woman reached out to me and said, here's the first one. And her name was Ebony Mystique. I mean, like, have you like watched their porn like at all? No, I didn't know Ebony Mystique no. at all. And but she, but I, I met her, and I'm like, she's amazing. But her background was her one of her father was a high ranking member of the Black Panthers, mm. and then her tagline was, "That's why I fuck white people in porn." And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want this. On. But it was supposed to be like a joke thing. Yeah. So I even like messaged her. I said, "Let her know not to not be that. Don't, I don't want that <laughs> shtick. I just want her to be her." <laughs> but she was also a nurse during COVID and uh-huh. she had a lot of great knowledge and, they, and she was fun so right. when I had her on I'm like yeah of course she has a sense of humor she takes dick all the you gotta entertain in between right. so she was good we had an OnlyFans lady on she was boring as hell and then we had this other dude this other lady on Jenna Love uh-huh. she's from Hartford mm. and she had told a story how she had like an OnlyFans scavenger hunt Mm. And these um these dudes had to find her in the mall, the West Farms, and mm. if they found her, they could like get blown in a Nordstrom's bathroom. And my kids lived out that way. So I called my daughter and said, You're not allowed to go to the West Farms Mall <laughs> anymore. And you're never going to the Nordstrom's ever. But she did. She blew two people in the Nordstrom's bathroom, which by the way, that's a sad life for that dude. <laughs> the guy driving in the car. Right, just, yeah. I hope I find her. I hope I find her. Oh, look at that scavenger cunt. That's what I called it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember hearing, hearing that in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's been fun talking to all different kinds of people, but I don't cater to them or anything like that. But we mm. we have fun with it. It was supposed That was a show I shot a pilot for Anthony Cumia. Uh-huh. And um, then, uh, thank goodness, because then during COVID, he became very like conservative and racist. I didn't kind of want my name tied to that, but like mm. on his network, I was going to have that. But with COVID happened, they stopped taking on shows. Mm. But I liked the idea of that show. And I met my co-host Bobby through that because he's an editor for them, producer. Okay. So I was like, let's just keep doing the show. So I just that's another thing where like, listen, I don't get a lot of followers or views or anything like that, but mm. I just enjoy it. It's just doing yeah. I just have fun talking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we all do. Yeah. Um, also the book, uh, How Not to Suck at Comedy. Uh you put that out, what, three years ago at this point? Yeah. I, I started writing articles for a group called Laugh Staff. Mm-hmm. And they had asked me when Chappelle was gonna when Trump was about to be president and Chappelle was gonna host Saturday Night Live for the first time. Mm-hmm. I wrote a post on Facebook about how I it made me feel like younger me because not only was it Chappelle mm-hmm. but Tribe was gonna be on. Yeah, and I'm like I just feel like a kid in college because like, Tribe was my shit. Like YouTube mm-hmm. is doing shit. So I was like very excited. And I wrote this whole thing about it. And how excited I was to watch it. And these guys reached out to me and said, "Would you mind writing an article about when you watch it?" And I mm-hmm. said, "Sure." And they, did. and they liked what I did. And they go, "Would you write? You're a comic that works hard, but you're not known." I'm like, "Well, thanks." <laughs> but, but they're like would you write articles weekly about the life of an unknown comic mm. and they i did that for like a week or two but i noticed that i didn't really care about that i st- I was going to open mics and watching other comics fail if you will or making mistakes stuff like mm. that so i started to just write articles instead about 
watching this comic do this when they should try to do this like and then i started realizing comics don't know how to ask questions like mm. how much time do i get when do i get paid how do i find out this you mm. know what you know how should i handle myself on twitter like maybe right. don't be racist on twitter maybe yeah, yeah. Like both. Mm. shit like that so i started writing articles like that and then someone else approached me and said you should take all those articles and make them into a book this mm. would be a good guide for comics because it's not you're not telling comics how to be a comic you're just giving them the little keys so they don't have to they don't have to fail as much mm-hmm. at the beginning and you kind of just flip through and you can find all this different shit like how to craft your jokes how to find your voice shit i was learning and still learning mm-hmm. but i'm going through the same levels there it's not someone who made it like seinfeld telling you how to be a comic it's someone who's still struggling and fighting through it giving you guides and stuff and it's been well received so it's been pretty cool that people like it but i didn't want to give it a name like you're a super comedian so i'm like right. this is how you not suck you're not gonna be good but you're gonna not suck afterwards Mm -hmm. now why aren't you on like twitter instagram tiktok i am on instagram okay Um, i'm too old for tiktok all right i've seen fucking i know grandma they they, they shouldn't be there though i mean hey it's silly and stupid but no i some people should have their own shit twitter was too angry for me i don't like an angry world Mm -hmm. it was too angry facebook is any better yeah, I can control it more. Okay. To, Facebook, I just, I, I, I mean, I li- recently cut down. I had 5,000 followers. I cut it down to three, 2,000. Oh, I just made oh, cuts. Shit. I went yeah. hard. And some comics got mad because I didn't even, I would just sit in the bathroom on a Sunday and just start, just start deleting people. Or whatever. <laughs> and someone's like, oh, you cut me out. I'm like, all right. Yeah, come back. Here, yeah. I'm making my news feed like it's a newspaper. Mm. I want to read the shit I want to read. I follow the people I like and enjoy. Why should I read shit I don't give a fuck about? Right. So I've, I've, I'm fo- I'll, 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 if you want me to be your friend and you're hurt by that, I've told people, I will be your friend. I'll just unfollow you. Mm. But you can still see my shit. Mm. And I also got tired of the people making dumb comments. I also had to... When you go on certain podcasts like the Anthony Cumia world and shit like that, there's mm. some angry motherfuckers out there that just like the Opie and Anthony world that was part of that, these other comics. And I became guests on those shows. So therefore their followers were just, they think they're busting walls and having fun, but it just like, it was just dumb. Like dudes from Australia yelling at me about ex-girlfriends of mine. I'm right. like, why do you even know that shit? It's weird. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm actually getting mad staring at my phone. And mm. I just said last August, I'm like, I'm just going to get rid of Twitter. I don't, have fun with it. I don't care about it. And Twitter. people liked it. So I got rid of it. And I've been sleeping better. I'm not kidding. I've been getting, I feel better in life for over a year now. I just don't have it. I'm fine with it. Right. I love Twitter. I, I, love I like, it. I yeah. like, I love the I love following certain people. I love seeing certain things on it. I just don't need it myself. Someone can just tell me what's on it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I just, I don't need the anger anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing a joke about, uh, social media. Hopefully I get to, you know, flesh everything out and get it the way I want. But um, also, if it's not out, you can still just fucking work on it. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, it's, but don't it's, get so it's, perfect it's, that you get upset. No, no, no. It's 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 not out. Yeah, like I'm. I'm, no, I'm li- saying just in general, with your jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That perfection thing. Some of the greatest things come out of stumbles. Yeah. Some of the yeah, greatest yeah, jokes yeah. come out of not meaning to have it happen a certain way. Mm-hmm. But some of my best punchlines came from me thinking one thing, saying something else, go, oh fuck, that works better. That works way better. Right. So don't be afraid to let it fail a little bit. Yeah. Because you go so particular, then it's harder for everyone to get. Right, because no one's perfect. Then they're almost afraid to laugh at the pristineness of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's good advice. I'll be hitting you up for more advice because you know whenever I, you know that I need it. You ain't Ryan. You're, you go. You go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ryan, love you, man. Um, I, I, I do not. <laughs> um, where where can people find you on uh, Facebook and Instagram? Instagram, Instagram is Pat underscore Oates. Um, the main thing to find me on is YouTube. If you subscribe to my uh, POS podcast YouTube channel, go mm. on, go on there. We also have a Patreon too. But if you're all poor, I don't give a fuck. Just jump right. on the regular <laughs> one. It's fine. I don't really care as long as you're enjoying the show and checking it out. And then on Facebook, it's just Pat Oates and just just friend request me. 
Okay. And if, I will see who your common friends are, and if and if they are people that I used to date who hate me, you will not get a request. And then, but if not, you're in. Right. But I give you a two week trial of actually following you, right? And then paying <laughs> your shit, and mm. then. And then afterwards, if I don't like it, I won't. If you're a mean person, then I will get rid of you. Mm. But if you're just like boring, then I will just unfollow you. But you'll be my friend. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, y'all know where to follow me at. Um, if you heard about this show, then you know my other podcast. Uh, you know where I'm at on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all that good shit. Um, what else I got? Well, I'd pretty- like to say thank you. This was fun. Oh no, yeah, thank you. Um, I want to say that too. We just leaving. I'm like, I'm hungry. No, 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 we not. Um, you got any dates coming up? Any shows you want people to check out? If you find me on social media, you'll see them. There. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Pat Oates, appreciate you for coming by. Appreciate you, appreciate you for coming to the dojo. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for me. Um, so yeah, one thing's for certain: we too much for these niggas and three much for these hoes. I go by the name of Domino. That is Pat Oates, and uh, we out of here. Y'all be easy. Domino, motherfucker, what's happening? C'est tout ce qu'on